here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Give me a name. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Grace, alongside, as always, very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Things are all right. Um, I should probably plan these things before we start the show, but um, and I because I just thought of this, but did you did you happen to watch the Daniel Bryan versus Mustafa Ali match on SmackDown? I have not. I have not seen that match quite yet, so sorry. <laughs> That's why we should plan these before, right? Yeah. But um, I was just thinking about that match before we started because it, it kind of, and I talked about it a little bit on the um, on the TV reviews I did today, the Thursday TV reviews, which people can listen to at uh, patreon.com slash. Uh, you got it. You're there. You're halfway there. Voices of Wrestling. There it is. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. You nailed it, Joe. There you go. Perfect. $5 tier. Um, they can listen to, all, to, to that uh, show I did today where I touched on this, but. It, it kind of felt like to me that if this were another time and place and promotion and somewhere and some time where it was run like a traditional wrestling promotion, it, it was an opportunity to make a star in one night because Ali really came off great. And this is, I'm bringing it up because I know that, you know, like me, most weeks you are going to blow off SmackDown and most weeks you are going to blow off raw. And at best you're going to go on WWE's YouTube channel, catch up on the big angles, maybe watch a hyped match. If one comes across your desk, is that fair to say? You're uh, that's, yeah, that is very, very fair. Yes. Of those two shows. Okay. Especially so, given what's going on with some other stuff, you know, you mentioned on the Patreon, but I, I'm pretty much only watching old Tokyo domain events at this point. It's like I don't have time for other wrestling. I have to watch like because me and Andrew Rich uh, on, on Patreon.com slash Voice Wrestling uh, decided I, I I came up with the, the horrible horrible idea of like hey we should definitely like watch every single one of these uh, Tokyo Domain events ever and like in retrospect it was a great idea because I'm watching some incredible matches some things I had never seen before but then I looked at the list and I was like I don't know if I quite comprehended quite how many uh, Tokyo Domain events there's been so we got a little bit of a job to do if we're gonna end by one four so yeah that's pretty much all I've watched is. Uh, World Tag League Final, uh, some Ring of Honor, and then just a ton of really awesome World uh, or, or New Japan uh, Tokyo Domain events. So yeah, but uh, uh, Patreon.com/slash Voice Wrestling if you want to watch that. So 
tremendous plug, sneaking the plugs in. But you guys are doing a good job keeping them to like 20, 25, 30 minutes, which is which is big. Yeah, it's spend... I don't want to I don't want to spend more time than the match is. We already are. I mean, most of the matches are like 14, 15 minutes, and we're still spending about 20, 30 on them. But I don't want to get to the hour and a half talking about a 14 minute match. Like that, that's that's just no. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're just there's just, you know, logistically, you have to get these done before the fourth. But um what I was gonna say was when when you go through and, and decide what it is you're gonna cherry pick off of Raw and SmackDown this week, I would strongly recommend you go back and you watch this uh, Daniel Bryan versus Mustafa Ali match because it, it really, it to me, it was... Now, look, I had no delusions of grandeur. I didn't think that they could potentially make a star in one night. Rich, they don't make stars anymore. They don't do that. Um, but I, I couldn't help but think if this were another era, even in this company, not necessarily a different company, this was it felt like a blown opportunity because Mustafa Ali, who you know I constantly rave about on the 205 live reviews, and when we get a chance to talk about him here, we oh, yeah, he's incredible. About him. He's incredible. And he's a great story too, because it's it's like you know the, the rags to riches kind of story. A guy that pretty much could have given up on wrestling at any point over the last decade and just didn't, just kept going on and kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing, gets his big break and then makes the most of it. So yeah, it's an incredible story too, and it's just an awesome wrestler too. The guy's awesome, and he's incredibly likable, and he has everything that you need to be like a star babyface. And he really came off that way on SmackDown. I made it a point to watch it live because I wanted to see how he would respond to. I mean, quite honestly, I think it was the biggest match of his life. I mean, oh, I, I, unquestionably, unquestionably. I mean, Jesus, that was huge. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say it may sound like a heavy statement, but you know, SmackDown Live against the World Champion against Daniel Bryan, you know, uh, open up the show and all that and you know it's big biggest spot of his life without question biggest match of his life i think and um they did it opened up the show and they did uh you know microphone banter back and forth to set the thing up and daniel bryan was just incredible and he's really nailing this heel uh turn tremendously i mean it, this is so much better than the previous heel incarnation of Daniel Bryan, which we feared we were going to get. Remember, we complained about that. Right, 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 right. They, they've, they've. I'll give WWE credit for some things, and we'll, we're going to preview uh, TLC here in a little bit. And obviously, not many things, but they, uh, they've gotten very good as of late with, with, with particular wrestlers. It depends how talented the wrestlers are, but but heel characters, they got those down. You know what I mean? Like they've almost. There are still your chicken shit heels, but they have done a good job of making your your badass heels. The problem is they have no fucking baby faces and they have no fucking clue how to book baby faces. So everybody that wants to get over has to become a heel. And then they all of a sudden become exactly what they probably should have been as a face, but they do it as a heel. And then eventually they just kind of get cheered or whatnot. But they've, you know, in a roundabout way, they do a very good job these days, you know, with, with particular talents of, of, of nailing the, the badass heel or like kind of the no nonsense heel. They, they've really done that well as of late. Brian really nailed in 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 the promos the the sort of thing where he was kind of giving Mustafa Ali a pat on the head while at the same time putting him over as a great talent. Do you know what I mean by that? Like he was saying things uh, like, I know we could have a great match together, but these people don't deserve that. And let's be honest, I'm going to wipe the mat with you anyway. You know, that sort of deal. Um, so it, it, he it's kind of that tricky deal where the heel champion has to get – the young baby face over while also beating them pretty decisively. It's not easy to do because, it, but, but, but he, he accomplished it. The match was exactly what it should have been. It was Daniel Bryan taking 70% of it. Mustafa Ali getting perfectly placed hope spots 
And and in the end, Brian just winning definitively in the center of the ring. My fear was he would cheat to win or use shenanigans to win or use right. a shortcut to win. You don't need to do that against a guy on 205 Live who's never even been Cruiserweight champion. You know, you're it's Daniel Bryan. He's the world champ. But that's what WWE you, – you could see why I would fear that. They don't they, they, they don't follow the rules anymore in that company. They do things that are illogical, but they didn't here. The match was perfectly structured. The only real gripe – well, I'll get to that in a second. But what it reminded me of was flashback nine years. It reminded me of that Chris Jericho-Daniel Bryan match on the very first episode. Oh, yeah, of yeah, NXT. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was great. What a Where great Jer- match. Great match. And it's like a great TV match where it's like Jericho was in the same role, like this veteran heel in the role of I have to get this young upstart babyface over. Right. It's ve- it was a very similar match. And it reminded me of that big time. And Daniel Bryan did just a good a job with Mustafa Ali, if not better than Jericho did with him. But I think the parallels are incredible. The matches were about the same length. Uh, both of the baby faces got about the same amount of of uh, of offense, which wasn't that much. Um, in in both cases, the heels just just won the match like they should have. The, the bigger the veteran heel won the match, and 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 I really believe that Mustafa Ali could have a similar career path as Daniel Bryan if they allow him to, you know. And and they fought the Daniel Bryan thing, kicking and screaming. And I'm, and I'm not saying that Mustafa Ali was a star on the level of Daniel Bryan on the Indies because he wasn't even close. Daniel Bryan was a, a enormously, uh, exponentially bigger star than Mustafa Ali ever was. But but I think they're starting from similar places in the company. 205 Live is even a lot like that original NXT when you really look at it. It's it's you know so um, it's just a, it was a real interesting match. I thought. Everyone did – it was handled to perfection. Even the post-match beatdown was perfect because it was almost like, wow, Daniel Bryan beat this guy and it was a good little match and he respects him. But no, he he, he beat him up in, uh, on the ramp anyway you know, to, to, to hammer home that he's an asshole. Um, so you don't – you have no reason to, to, to want to like Daniel Bryan. So even that worked out well. The one thing though, Rich, and I'm sure you've heard about it by now, but it just drives you nuts is – during the, the the key spot of the match, the key hope spot that Mustafa Ali got, this incredible sequence where he hit a Spanish fly off the top rope to set up his uh, 450 finish, right? Which he didn't hit, obviously. That was all done. That entire sequence, that entire spot was done during the commercial break <sighs> with the action up in the corner. You know how they do that now where they show the commercial? Right, right, right. But you don't go away. Yeah, you still see some right. of the action. And you you're, in the little, yeah. you're in the little inset square in the corner with no commentary. That was the key spot in the match. That was the that was the comeback. That was the fiery baby face hitting his, 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 his fucking three moves of doom or whatever you want to call him to, to make you think that he might win the match. And you don't – we didn't get to see how the crowd reacted to any of that, which is something that – at least from my perspective, I want to see how the crowd reacts to a spot like that. I want to see if Mustafa Ali got over. I want to see if Daniel Bryan got Mustafa Ali over in this match. So we didn't get any, we didn't get to hear the crowd reactions. We didn't get to hear how the commentators put it over and how, and more importantly, how Vince wanted it put over. You see what I'm saying, Rich? We lost all of that because the key spot in the match was relegated to the fucking commercial break on top of the fact that if you're just a common casual viewer watching and you see that fucker go to commercial, what are you instantly thinking? Chin lock, rest hold, 
Nothing's going to happen. It's the fucking commercial break. Right, which is weird. Why would they ever – like, I, I didn't watch it, so I don't know. Was there some sort of communication breakdown, or have we heard anything of why that exactly happened the way it did? Of why they went to the commercial when they did? I have no fucking idea. Yeah. It was just poorly structured. Weird. But it's like – and you know that a ton of viewers probably got up and walked away and went and fucking fucked around in the refrigerator or took a leak or or did or fucked around on their phone or whatever it is and didn't even see Made the see sandwich, the, the classic intermission that. sandwich. The classic intermission sandwich. Yeah. Remember many years ago when people screamed about intermissions? Because I have to make a sandwich. <laughs> okay. Yeah, unbelievable. Which you know, it's like it, it, I don't even want to get into that again. But no, we're not doing the sandwich it, show again. <laughs> but it just drove me nuts. You know, I was like the key and like a key point in the match too uh, to to do that. But other than that, it was handled to perfection and fucking totally reminded me of that uh, Chris Jericho Daniel Bryan match. And I'll give you another one, and you might laugh, but there was one many years before that, which was a very similar situation again. And I think it was on WCW Saturday night, but I may have the show wrong. Could have been pro or what, but I think it was Saturday night. It was Ric Flair versus Alex Wright. Do you remember this? Yes. Uh, I want to say worldwide. Let me find out exactly what it was. I want to say it was worldwide, but I could be wrong. Let me, let me, let me make sure because I do remember that one and I do remember it being awesome. Same scenario, right? Like the veteran heel and, and people are, who may not understand, like at one point WCW was behind Alex Wright. As a Worldwide, yeah, I was, I was right. I'd watched that. I think uh, Monsoon Classic has it on his, uh, his page. March second, nineteen ninety six, WCW Worldwide. All I have to do is look up Ric Flair, Alex Wright. There's not too many to choose from, so don't, uh, don't worry. But yeah, it is awesome, and it goes way longer than you think. Like you click the file thinking, oh, geez, Ric Flair, Alex Wright, nineteen ninety six. This shit's gonna be over in two minutes. It's fourteen minutes long. It's a long match. Yeah, because that was when Alex Wright was still on the ascent, and they were still behind. The company was behind yeah. him at one point. You know, they thought he could be, you know, babyface star, and it didn't work out that way. And his career obviously didn't work out that way. But at the time the match took place, it was another match in that vein of these two matches that we're talking about. And, in, in, you know, and, and I was thinking about all that watching this and here how really that's one of my favorite kind of matches. You know, Kenny Omega had one of those against a pre-excursion Jay White in New Japan not that long ago. Do you remember yes, that one? right. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, and, and like, the cool thing about those matches is, in, and we've mentioned it before, the it, it, it actually works a little bit better if that guy doesn't get the win because it's unrealistic that an Alex Wright would beat Ric Flair. But it is very realistic that he would take him to the limit and have Ric Flair on the ropes and have Ric Flair going, oh, God damn, that dude could do something. Like, oh, shit, if he gets this thing together, like, he could win. Like, you don't want the guy to win. You don't want Jay White to no. beat Kenny Omega, but you want Jay White to have Omega on the ropes. And that's what that match was. We talked about it a few years ago where Omega was fucking around and kind of dilly-dallying and he's in his T-shirt. And Jay White kind of rolls him up a few times. He gets close two counts. And Kenny's just like, oh, okay, I guess I got to really work here and then it's like hard for Omega to put him away and that's what the perfect story is is have yeah. him sort of work his ass off to beat him because that does a whole lot more if the guy just gets the upset it kind of feels a little on it, I don't know it just doesn't it, it feels we talk about the subtlety hammer all the time it feels like a little unrealistic that that would happen but it's just enough for the guy to take him to the limit and then lose and that I think is is so much more beneficial than than just some big upset win that that'll probably be forgotten pretty soon Vince Rousseau would book the upset for sure that's right. really what it comes down to like the, the baby face should never win that match. The match that we're laying out here. And they didn't win any of the four that I mentioned. And I'm sure if we thought hard enough and actually prepared for this segment, which we didn't, because um, it's just all off the cuff, we could probably come up with one where the baby face did win it and then it didn't result in anything anyway. Because this is really one of those spots where the heels should win and win decisively. Like you, like you said, you get taken to the limit or caught off guard. 
Omega did a great job really getting over the idea that Jay White was on the verge of pulling the biggest upset in New Japan in, in a decade. And and Flair really did a good job, you know, having a long match with Alex Wright. The Daniel Bryan win over Mustafa Ali was a little more definitive than those, I think. But it was it, it's it's all along the same lines. And of course, the Jericho Bryan one has the famous spot where Bryan does the uh, suicide dive and Jericho sidesteps him, and Bryan takes that wicked bump into the announce table. That's yes. the spot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll always spot. remember from that match. That is the most memorable spot in the match to me. One that, that the spot that I'll never forget. But and, and that, that was one, also yeah. And the build up to that one, if people don't remember, this was the, the Daniel Bryan NXT run was like this vegan geek. This guy's such a geek. It was Michael Cole doing his heel shtick. And it was awful because it was just like, oh, this guy's a geek. He's small. He went. He came from the Indies. What a geek. He's small. What a geek. He's a geek. And then like he just goes out there, and you know Jericho probably rolling his eyes at all that shit being said about because he knows how good Daniel Bryan was or Bryan Danielson was at that time. So how cool it was to have just like these dudes just go out on Raw and just fucking kill it. It was like a 10, 15 minute match or whatever, but it was just like yeah, fuck off with all this geek stuff. Well, Daniel it was Bryan, on, it, it was on it was on NXT. Oh, that's right. It was it was NXT. You're you're right. It was, I believe it was, um, I believe it was episode one, season one. I think they came right out of the gate with that match, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'll look I, that no, I feel like that was on Raw. Why do I, why do I feel like that was on Raw? You're probably right. Oh, no, no, you're right. It was season one, episode one, NXT. You're, you're right. So, yeah, it was the, yeah, they came right out of the gate with that one. And the idea was that this, it, look, they knew that Daniel Bryan was such a big deal on the Indies that they couldn't ignore it. That's how big he was on the like they couldn't even pretend in some so the idea was Jericho wanted to test this kid, remember? And it's like and 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 that's the way they went about it. And I think it um, you know, again, you know, it wasn't a 20 minute match or anything like that. Um, but but yeah, that's that kind of match, it's really one of my favorite kind of match structures. And it's not one that you want to overdo. You wanna you wanna see one every couple of years, you know what I mean? You can't do it every month. Um, cause it loses its effect, but you know, when done properly, it can really elevate, uh, the young baby face. Yeah. And it's actually, uh, in a semi, we're not, we're not going right to final battle, but it does remind me a little bit of what you could have done with Flip Gordon and Bully Ray had you not had this feud last nine months. But you know what I mean? Like instead we're going in like, you know, month 15 of, of, of that feud, but yeah, we'll get to final battle, uh, a little bit later. We have a lot of stuff to cover today. We have. Of course, the Wrestle Kingdom 13 card, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Uh, Road to the Tokyo Dome. we got a few of those shows coming up this week as well. The final two shows of New Japan's year leading into Wrestle Kingdom. We have the World Tag League Finals. It happened a few days ago. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, New Japan's coming back to America. they got two shows announced for January and February. We'll talk about that. And then also, of course, tables, ladders, chairs, and not stairs, but we're going to call it anyway because that's our joke. Tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs. Joe, we got a preview. WWE's pay-per-view coming up this sunday but let's start we have to start no question wrestle kingdom 13 card finally after the world tag league is done mercifully over and it was fine but i'm glad it's over and there was you know six percent more matches than there was last year and 191 or whatever the hell goddamn matches it is i'm just glad it's over and not, you know it was fine it was good it was what it was we'll talk about the final here in a bit but i'm just happy it's over because it means that now we got the full wrestle kingdom card we get the whole lineup we know everything that's happening on the show and Joe, before we kind of get into match by match and kind of break everything down on paper, this is a goddamn great card, isn't it? Yeah, th- this is. I mean, you look at it on paper, and 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 you don't. You see, maybe the Cody Juice match would be the weak spot in terms of 
you know, on paper expectations, ceiling floor, if you want to do it that way. And even that I don't expect to be bad by any means. I mean, that should be a perfectly, the floor for that is a perfectly fine three-star match. So you're talking bell to bell, the show should deliver because even if a couple of the matches don't, there's just, it's so fucking loaded that it'd be impossible for, you know, five or six of the matches to not deliver big time. And if you have five or six great matches on a show, then it's, it's a great show. And we're going to do a more extensive preview uh, the week leading up to Wrestle Kingdom because here we're just going to kind of go over the matches. So if you're wondering like, ah, that was a terrible preview. You guys didn't do enough. We do usually, and, and I'm, we're going to keep it up this year as well. Our wrestle, our the, the week leading into Wrestle Kingdom, that show is just Wrestle Kingdom. That's all we cover. We exhaustively detail every single match. We go into excruciating detail, give our predictions, all that sort of stuff. That is coming. This is more going to be, hey, here's what's on this card. Hey, here's what we're kind of looking forward to. That one. Look for that show if you want our true deep dive into this entire card. So just in case you listen to this and go, oh, geez, that kind of sucked, guys. Like it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming soon. But um, this will be big picture. Yeah, exactly. Big picture stuff here. As far as Wrestle Kingdom, uh, show proper starts at uh, 1 a.m. Eastern. I think that also includes the pre-show, which uh, we have some unfortunate news about the pre-show, Joe, and I, I don't know how to take it. And yeah, I think you're going to have to say it because I'm, I'm kind of upset about it. But the pre-show is different. Something's missing, Joe. I mean, I've talked about this on the pay side of the site. I really don't care. No, I think you're, you're an asshole. You're a bad person. I, I honestly think it's an improvement because no. <laughs> listen, hear me out. Hear me out. Is Scott Norton going to be in that gauntlet, Joe? He, well, that's my point. They might still do that shit. <laughs> okay. Like, they if better. You're, if, you, okay. If, you're, if you're looking for goofy entrance, yes. if, if, you, if you're looking for cheeseburger, if you're looking for fucking – for some godforsaken reason, you want to see the corpse of Yoshiaki Fujiwara come yes, out there. I do. If, if, you're, if you want to see Scott Norton, look, yes. I, you know, that stuff's fun. <laughs> Billy Gunn, this all works, yeah. Every year that stuff's fun. I think that they could incorporate that into the gauntlet now. And what this does is it moves the shitty gauntlet, which which would grind every Wrestle Kingdom to a halt. It would always True. be like the fourth match, and it would be really fucking long. Yeah, because it's like 45 fucking minutes. And it's going to be, again, because they have the whole pre-show set for 1 a.m. Eastern, or, or 2 a.m. Eastern, I should say, all the way up until 3 a.m. Eastern. So it's a full hour that they have for the quote-unquote pre-show. With that gauntlet, I'm sure taking up 75% of that. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I think the gauntlet, uh, it, it, it gets it off of the main show, which is a good thing because it, it, it gives more room for the other matches to breathe. And quite honestly, I think because the gauntlet is off the show, it gave us one of these other singles matches. I'm not sure you get Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. or or maybe Abushi versus Osprey or whatever if the gauntlet is on the show. So they bump the Rambo, they move the gauntlet to the pre-show, and I think it's the best of both worlds. You get the gauntlet off the main show. And what is to stop them? It's going to be long. It'll be about the same length as the Rambos were. And those were long matches. What were they, over 40 minutes, those Rambos or something like that? Uh, right around there, so, yeah, 30, 30, 40, somewhere in that range. So, I mean, the first couple legs of the gauntlet could be all of those goofy surprises that everyone is afraid that we're not going to get. So I, I, I really think this, if they, if they do it don't that way. Don't lie to way, me, Joe. Don't lie to me, Joe. I need my Scott Norton. Well, right? I don't know any fucking information. I'm just saying <laughs> if they don't choose to. If they choose to do it that way, they can. And then what they could do is like the final three legs of it could be, you know, a serious match with stakes, you know, to determine the number one contender for these titles or whatever. So I think I think the early part of the match, you might get all your goofiness. And then towards the back end of the match, you get your Hiroki Gotos and your your Suzuki's and your people who were left off the show who, 
you know, or have been relegated to this this pre-show match. And from there, I think you'll probably get a serious match. That's my personal speculation. And if they approach it in that manner, I really think it's just a win across the board for everyone because this thing really did clog up the main show. When it no, was and, you're, and you're not wrong about that. So I'll give you a little bit of I, – I, I will – I, I want my I want my nostalgia acts though, and I hope that they get it because yeah. I think that's fun. That's a fun aspect of the pre-show. It's kind of a yaha moment, but I, I'm with you on that. Like if you slice the gauntlet out, and that's a big reason why I said that this is a hell of a show is because if you slice that gauntlet out, uh, uh, and that was the thing that we always kind of groaned about. We always said ah, it's just kind of to get everybody on the card thing. And if you take that out and just look at the totality of of the main show, and that's why I said it's such an awesome card because. As you said, other than Cody and Juice, everything else has a chance to be fucking great. And that was not the case in, in prior years of Wrestle Kingdoms because that gauntlet match you always knew was never going to be great. It was just going to be right. long. It, it might have been okay. It might have been good. It might have been entertaining at times. But, God, it was long. And like you said, it was – I mean, I remember last year I went to um, I went to a bar to watch the uh, – I watched in the morning, you know, live. And then I went to a bar with some other people. And we had, like, you know, that, that big event with the Squared Circle guys. Uh, and that gauntlet match, there was people that were just like, ah, yeah, you know what I mean? And it's just like, I know people are like, how long is this match going to go? I'm like, yeah, another like 20, 30 minutes. And they're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, because they, like everything had been balls to the wall. And then, like, yeah, you get to the gauntlet and it was just like, and everything just stopped. And it was, it was a fine match. It was okay. But yeah, now it's like, we got everything in this thing. We got, you know, nine matches and every single one of them pretty solid. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. I just want, I, I'm worried about the lack of nostalgia. I, I like that aspect of it. So I hope they do it because they could very easily do it. A Scott Norton cheeseburger and Fujiwara team could come out there and lose in a minute and then move on. And then that's fine. Like, that's all I really want is, is that sort of weird. Oh my God, that guy's here. And then they can lose and go away and it's fine with me. So, so I'll admit that's a, that's a good take by you, Joe. But I um I have reservations because I want to see how it all works out. But but I'm with you. That's not, probably not a bad move. But um as far as other stuff, so as I said, the show proper uh, starting at 3 a.m. Eastern. The uh, the main show. Uh, they're also going to show on Access as well. We mentioned this a, a few weeks ago uh, that Access is going to show it from eight to ten, but it's only going to be the last two hours. So if you only care about the big time matches, you can wait unspoiled uh, and watch it on Access on your big TV and all that sort of stuff uh, at eight to ten p.m. Eastern time uh, that night as well. But if you want to watch the entire show, uh, your best opportunity, of course, is going to be on New Japan World. Uh, as far as matches, I mean, our opener. I mean, we start. I mean, this is why I say this card is fucking great. Uh, the opener is Kotobushi and Will Ospreay, which is like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a, dream match. like, yeah, you know, good. like dream matches are a term that gets thrown out all the time now. It's like fucking Eddie Kingston and Jiro Otani. And it's like, ah, it's a dream match. And it's like, no, not really. It's just a match that's maybe never happened before. But this is like, these are two of the, the preeminent high flyers of their era. You know, maybe Okota Bushi could count him as the last era and Will Ospreay as this era. It doesn't matter. This is a fucking real-life dream match, and it's for the Never Open Weight title. And it's our opener. It opens the show, for God's sakes. Jesus. It's two of the five best wrestlers in the world. I mean, they're they're going to both finish top five in any credible wrestler of the year poll. Sure. So it, it's like you're, you're, you're looking at two of the five best in the world in a match for a title on the second or at worst third we always have this discussion at worst the third biggest show in in the world uh you know depending what you want to do at royal rumble or cmll anniversary i'm not really interested in that debate right now but you know arguably the second or third at worst biggest show in the world you know and this is the opener you know it's it's the only concern here is time right um you know Honestly, that's the thing with, look, we say that all of these matches have extremely high ceilings. Well, we know not all of them are going to land. That's unrealistic. 
And I think the ones that don't get that get shafted on time, obviously, are the ones that have less of a chance to deliver. So from that perspective, my hope and probably everybody's hope listening to this are that the two tag team three ways are the matches that get shafted on time. If something has to get nine minutes, I want it to be the second match. You know what I mean? Um, number one, it's like we've seen it already. Number two, it's poorly booked and we're all annoyed about it. So I'd rather see something like the junior tag match get nine minutes or the heavyweight tag match get 11 minutes or something so that Abushi and Osprey can get their 18 to 20 minutes. 15 minimum. Is that fair to say? Would you like to say Yeah, that? no, I think it is because I'm, I'm, I'm looking back at last year's because I just wanted to uh, check out what last year was. So last year, um, the opener was the junior tag title. And they, they got 18 minutes in that one. Uh, the Gauntlet got 17 minutes. Uh, Kotobushi and Cody, and this, I guess, is a pretty decent comp for us here. Uh, just a straight singles match, obviously not for a title. That got 15 minutes. And, and it was awesome. Yes, yeah, so awesome. that's pretty good. I mean, that's I, if if Ibushi and, and, and uh, Osprey get 15, like, I'm, I think I'm okay with that. You know, if it's somewhere some between 15 and 18, I think I'm fine. I, I don't want 10. You know what I mean? I don't want 8. I don't want 9. But, but. Anywhere between 15 and 18 is pretty good. I think the uh, the main, uh, the, the heavyweight tags, or just the normal tags, got 14 minutes, which I think is a probably a good time, and hopefully they kind of carry that over uh, this year. And then another comp I look at as well is the Goto Suzuki. That got 18 minutes as well last year. So it, I would the, sign up for 14 minutes for the heavyweight tag. one. I, wouldn't you sign for that right now? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, please. After uh, what I saw at the world, after I saw at the world tag league final, fourteen yeah. is probably exactly where uh, the, the the god needs to be at, at this point. But but the opener, I mean, I think I I, I want at least fifty. I'll be happy with at least fifteen. If they get eighteen, like last year's opener, God, they get a really good match. Because I think if you're under eight, if you're under fifteen for these two guys anyway, they could still have an awesome match where they do a bunch of really memorable spots and all that. But I think. 15 and over, they can give you a real good story with it too, like a real good story. You know what I mean? More than just a body part or something. They can really give you a good story if they get between 15 and 20. Yeah. So we'll, um, we'll see. I mean, it, the good thing is, yeah, last year's Wrestle Kingdom, the shortest match was 14. Uh, they were pretty good about that one. This is, I mean, everybody kind of gun shy because that one year, obviously, when they were on Global Force and they had this like pay per view window, everything seemed a little more tight. And even uh, Wrestle Kingdom 11, if I remember correctly, Cody and Juice, you know, <laughs> ironically enough, that got uh, a little, a little over nine minutes, which is probably okay. I'm fine if that got that again this year. You know what I mean? The, the, the little over nine minutes. Rusty Kingdom 11 was a little tough. They had one extra match on the main show. Uh, you had the Tiger Mask W, Tiger the Dark. That got six minutes. Uh, then the Junior Tags got 12. The Never Open Weight uh, Gauntlet got 16. Uh, the Tag Match got 12. The the uh, Kushida Hiromu got 16. So that one was a little bit, but they gave a ton of time to Okada and Omega in the main event there. That one went 46. Yeah. So that got a little bit more time than uh, than last year's main event. But I don't know. Yeah, it's to me, I, I use last year's as a comp because they're very similar. I think they're the exact same yeah. number of matches. And yeah, all that got, you know, the, the two main events, the Omega and Jericho and, and, and Okada and Naito, both right almost exactly 34 minutes, which I think is, is, is a good time as well. Uh, for for those guys, and then yeah, everything else then was able to get about fifteen minutes or so, which is is, is pretty solid. You've 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 got to throw out the year that was on American pay per view because they rushed everything. Um, the others, yeah, I think you summed it up nicely. My my thing though with this show is I see a lot of matches that are going to require we're going to require a ton of time. Omega Tanahashi from entrances to all the post match shenanigans. I think you might have to carve an hour out for that. Is that crazy to say? 
You know, we, we were saying the same thing last year, and and they were able to get it done. I mean, they, they probably did. They probably did, you know, between entrances and all that sort of stuff, probably take an hour, but somehow everybody still got their time. I, I don't know. I, uh, last, yeah. year's, last year's was remarkable. I don't know, because everybody seemed like they well, well, got a bunch well, of time, but nothing felt super long either. Well, then let's, let's look at because I think Jericho Naito obviously is going to need a huge block of time. And I think that, um, oh, but I guess you can make the comp to Jericho Omega, right? Right, right, and, yeah. And and then Okada, Jay White. Now look, Okada's third from the top, and that's fine. Guy's been on top for fucking six years now. He can work third from the top, and he's in a heated feud. But they're not giving Okada 18 minutes. Okay, let's be honest. That's going to get a lot of time too. That's going to be the tough comp there because last year uh, Tanahashi and Jay White uh, in that exact same spot, third from the top, they got uh, just a touch under 20 minutes. They got 1956. Yeah, I mean, do you see this match getting that same block? I don't know. I feel like it's going to. First of all, I feel like it's going to get a little bit longer. I give it about. I I would see it about 10 more minutes than that. But and, it's and a that's view. right. And then that's going to sort of depend on how everything then kind of breaks down that way. Or are they, are they a little, I wouldn't be gun shy about it. I'm, I'm saying this like a, as, as sort of a devil's advocate, I wouldn't be this way, but are they a little more gun shy and say, Hey, let's keep it a little nice and tidy for Jay white this year, as opposed to maybe going a little too long, but I wouldn't make that case. Cause I think Jay white's improved tremendously. And he's, he's the big, the big moment, the bright lights are kind of done. And, and, and he's seen that and now he can kind of move on. I think he is capable of having a pretty good one, but you know, pretty good, you know, 30 minute match or whatever with Okada. But you know, if I were them, like I think 20 minutes is fine for that match. I wouldn't really do that much more, but, but I get like, if you want to give that another 10 minutes and then sort of the cycle happens, then like, okay, well shit, like someone's got to lose a little bit there. And, and, and it's hard to cut any time for any of these matches other than Cody and juice, but fuck those guys can't go out there and have a two minute match. Like, you know, so they're going to, they're going to have 10 minutes probably. So then it, well, it, it's a matter of what are these other guys do. Well, that's the other thing. Cody juice. This isn't like their previous match where it was a squash. Juice is pushed now. Right. And it's a title match. He's going to win the title. So they're getting some time too. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to get an hour, but that's going to breathe a little. This isn't going to be Cody's. This isn't going to be like Cody versus David Finley or Cody versus Juice when he parachutes in, beats a guy quickly. This is a title match. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know. So I'm hoping Coda Ospreay gets at least 15. That That's if I, I, I will say this. If there's one thing I'm hoping for on this entire show, it's that that opener gets sufficient time because it really is the match that I personally am looking the most forward to on the entire show. So I, I don't want it to get shafted on. I, and look, I know they're going to have a good match no matter what. I mean, the floor on that is a good match. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, if they had five minutes, they would have a fucking the best five minute match you've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. those guys are, yeah, we know what those two dudes are capable of. And no matter what time they're given, it's going to rock. But, but yeah, if they're given a lot of rock, time, yeah, right, right. Yeah, but if they're given a lot of time and, and you don't think Ospreay's pumped for this, he's not, has he, he's never had a singles match on Wrestle Kingdom. Don't believe you so. Know? And it's no. like, yeah, he's had that. He had the four way last year, the four way uh, junior match. And that was, yeah, that's about it. You know, and, and, and I presume he's going to win. I don't think it's any kind of lock, but I think he's going to win. And I think we're going to begin to see his ascent into a heavyweight star starting here. I think it's a good spot for it. I don't think they bend over backwards to make sure that they get the title back off of Goto and get Osprey back into them. If he wasn't going to win, you know what I mean? Like, so I feel like he's going to win the match. So I think he'll be motivated and Kota Bushi always fucking delivers. So I'm really looking forward to it, and I, I, my hope is just that it, it gets the time. But um, 
All right, so then we get to the uh, the first of our three-way tags. We got the junior heavyweight tag titles. We got Suzuki Gun, of course, he, of course, Kanemoro and El Desperado versus Rapungi 3K versus the LIJ team of Bushi and Shingo. This is one, I mean, I, I want this one to probably get a little bit more time than the heavyweight tag, but I'm, I'll be honest, like, I, I love, I like, you know, I like all three of these teams, really, but, I mean, if this went 11 minutes, 12 minutes, I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, I think that, I think it's almost better if it doesn't go longer. I think it'd be better in a more compact format, yes. but we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, they're they're going to probably get 15 to 16 or somewhere in that range or, or, or whatnot, Let, but. Let's lump, them both, let's lump them both together. After this, they wedge in the Ishii Sabre match, which we'll talk about a little more. And then the next match after that is the three-way for the for the heavyweight titles with right. Rolls of Destiny, Evil and Snada, and Bucks. So let's talk about those two matches together. I agree, and that's kind of what I said before. I, I Look, would I love for lo- these two matches to be awesome? Of course. Who doesn't want to see awesome matches? And I think they'll be good. But I wouldn't be mad at all if they both got like eight minutes. Get them out. They're the least interesting matches on the show and give every, all of these great singles matches plenty of time to be great. I would prefer that too. Now, do I think that this junior three-way can be very good? Yeah, of course I do. Um, but it wouldn't bother me if they, if this was one of the matches that got 10 minutes and they were told to just take turns doing your signature spots and then reserve three minutes for the closing stretch and get in and get out. Would that bother you? It wouldn't bother me at all. Not at all. No, I'd love it. Yeah, it'd be perfect. <laughs> it's it. Yeah, especially because they're just so shoehorned and they don't really feel like like both these guys. I mean, and it's and that's why it sucks is because I think these teams have done great work. I mean, all all six of these teams have throughout the year done good stuff. But it just and it's probably us reflecting our thoughts on on the tag division. And it's just like I don't know. I just I, I don't feel anything of these matches. They don't have any real. Oh my god, I can't wait to like. They're probably gonna be okay like you said i would hope that they're good and i want them to be good but do you really feel anything in these matches are you oh my god i hope rapungi 3k pulls it out or oh my god i hope the bucks get the win or i hope sonata and evil like i don't feel anything for any of these two matches i just they're here i hope they're good and i just kind of hope that they don't ruin the rest of the show and 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 suck up a bunch of time because of it and that's that's kind of kind of where i'm at with them and that's the problem with these three ways is is i think they'd be able to do so much better and tell so much better stories if it was just one-on-one but we're beating a dead horse there everybody knows that that's our opinion on it and it's it is what it is. I mean, they, they were going to do this. We knew it. We tried to figure out every fucking reason possible that it wasn't going to end this way. And it ended this way. Almost as it's like, a, you know, a joke, an inside joke to us. It's like, oh, you really thought we weren't going to, you know, shoehorn the bucks in there? And like, you know, we knew they were, but we were trying to find a reason that they wouldn't. And, and there they are. They're there. So, and it, it is what it is. I There's no use in really kind of bitching and moaning about it. But it, it is it is annoying because I think there's so much more potential as a one-on-one, but what are you going to do? Yeah. And in the case of the heavyweight match, I mean, somebody made a great point that as annoying as it is that we got the three-way that no one wanted, the bucks do make it a better match. Oh, it, oh, it's unquestionably a better match. And we'll talk, I mean, and, 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 and if it was just not an evil versus, you know, girls of destiny, we talked about that is it's kind of like, Oh, well that's kind of weird. Like who really cares because they just and had a played match out. And, it's played right, out. and they've, and those two dudes have fought each other hundreds of times. So yeah, it makes, it makes sense. The bucks. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. The bucks are there. It, it, it really does. If you really wanted to, 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 you know, not logically in terms of the way this, the, the story is told and not necessarily in the way that the tournament, you know, played out, but yeah, in terms of like making it a solid match and, and and the justification that the Bucks had, even though it was kind of loose. I mean, it 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 does work, even though it is ultimately kind of uh, you know disappointing. It would have been the fourth or fifth time this year that those other two teams faced each other, right? This right. would have been like the fourth match. They just had two. This would be the third. <laughs> right. And there's another one, like you know what I mean? Like I think there was one more. And it's like so, and and the Bucks without question make 
this match a, a better match and a more exciting match. It's just it's it was just oh, fucking eye roll the way they got there. But um, but those are the two tag matches, and then you know they gave they're giving us the Ishii Zack Saber Junior British Heavyweight Title match, which um you know the one in New Orleans. I was there um, live for, and that was phenomenal. I mean, I love that match. And it was just, it was great for me as seeing one of my favorite wrestlers win, you know, a quote unquote world title right before my eyes. I mean, that was awesome. Um, and it was an awesome match. And, and you know, th- again, this is the kind of match right here where if they don't shave time off of other things, this is the, this is a match that can get screwed on time easily. I mean, I could see that it's not for one of their own titles. It's early in the show. So again, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I'd like to see them get at least 12, but preferably like 15, especially since it's Zack Sabre Jr. And he likes to, he's better in a longer scenario. So, um, but I'm, but I'm glad it's there because you look at a guy like Ishii, Rich, look at the people that got squeezed from the show. I mean, Hiroki Goto is not on this show. Right. And we were and, talking about that last week. You were trying to figure out a way to get him in there. <laughs> it's, it's, it sucks. But like, and, and can I yeah. read you something? I'm gonna yeah, read you go something. ahead. Yeah, yeah. This is not like now. Look, and here's the thing: I'm a big Hiroki Goto fan, and I wanted him on the show, but I can't argue with the fact he's not on the show. I don't think he deserves it this year. Is he any kind of hot performer this year? No. Is he in fine. any kind of hot? Is he in any kind of hot feud? Is he is he having a particularly big year? Uh, no. So, and, and you know, Rich, I'm. Oh, I always make this argument when it comes to WrestleMania too. I don't think you should have to shoehorn everybody on a show. I think if it's not your year and if you're not over, tough shit. I've always said that, have I not? So it's like I don't think Hiroki Goto earned his way onto this show. And I, as a fan, I'm a little disappointed he doesn't have a match. But but look at look at his Wrestle Kingdom history. This is a big deal, okay? Wrestle Kingdom 2, great Muda. I'm going to give you his opponents. WrestleMania 3, he teamed with Nakamura and they fought uh, Masawa and Segura. Okay, when they did an interpromotional match, huge match. Uh, the next year, he challenged Segura for the for the GHC title. Okay, I'm gonna skip five. I'll get back to that. WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom six, another a rematch against Segura from two years earlier. Wrestle Kingdom seven, tag team title match. Remember Swords and Guns with Carl Anderson. They challenged Killer Elite Squad because they won the World Tag League. Uh, the next year, singles match with Shibata. The next year, he wins the tag titles with Shibata against Doc Anderson and, and Carl uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. <laughs> the next year, singles match with Naito. Remember, he won that one, and then from there, he challenged at New Beginning, if you recall, with the white right. paint and the big failure of a match uh, that that was. Uh, the next year, uh, another match with Shibata. This time for the Never, and then last year, of course, the Hair versus Hair Death Match for the Never with Minoru Suzuki. Rich. All of those matches I just named, none of them were lower than fourth from the top, and a lot of them higher. Uh, the one, the one year that I skipped was the only year that he wasn't really in a featured match. He teamed with Okada, a pre-excursion Okada, against Segura and uh, and Takayama, uh, wedged in between the two singles matches uh, with Segura. So that match wasn't. Uh, if you want the precise spot on the card, I can give you that. Let's see. But that was really the lowest he's ever been, ever been on a wrestle kingdom card. And that was, um, uh, and that, you know what that was, well, no firmly in the middle. It was one, two, three, four, fifth from the, it was right in the middle, firmly a mid card match. So it was below the Jeff Hardy, Naito T. Remember the Jeff Hardy, uh, Naito TNA 
uh, titled oh, Disaster. God. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Was, <laughs> I do. Yes, unfortunately. Hardy, without question, was loaded. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah, of course. That was during his I just get drunk and, and high and wrestle matches phase, which was not a good phase. I'm glad we're, we're past that yeah. phase for him. So anyway, the Goto tag match with Okada, it was it was it was one step ahead of the junior title match, which was Devitt and Ibushi, but it was right before the uh you know the business end of the card where all the big stuff came after it. So firmly a mid-card match. But aside from that match, Rich, all of those other matches I named, and I'm sure as I was going through them, you were thinking about it, all near the top of the card. Yeah. And including last year, where what was that, third or fourth from the top? I no uh, I just closed. Third. I just closed the window. Let me let me see. Yeah, I, I have it. I got it for you. But okay. but it was a, you know the, the hair versus uh hair match with uh, yeah, maybe Suzuki. Fourth or fifth from the top. Title. I remember off the top of my head, but, but I, I forget exactly. Uh it was ah, yeah, actually they had it below the junior match last year, but that junior four-way, but I think it was a bigger match than that. But um, but yeah, it's a big deal that this guy is bumped from the from the card entirely. I mean, he's on the fucking pre-show, Rich. It's not even like he's in because the, the company is so loaded with so much talent and they don't have room on these Wrestle Kingdoms anymore for your dopey gauntlets and your six-man matches that ha- don't have consequence. They're all big-time matches. There's nine matches on the main card and eight of them are title matches. So um, getting back to Ishii, I'm happy to see him. Now, look, I think Ishii deserves the spot more than Goto this year. Do you agree or disagree with that? I'm with you. Yeah, no, I think so. He's had a better year, and I think he's had better stories. And, and, and yeah, it all kind of works out a little bit better. It's Sabre, for, for that matter. I think Zack yeah. Sabre Jr. deserves the spot over Goto and Suzuki this year. And I, I, think, I think the arrows, and if you look at kind of arrows pointing up and whatnot, you, you can argue Ishii, but I think his arrow is pointing a little bit more up than um, – than, than Goto's, and it's unquestioned that Zack Sabre Jr.'s arrow is pointing so far up yeah. more than, than Goto's is. So, yeah, it makes – yeah, I, I have no issue with it. Yeah, I mean, Suzuki is 50 years old, and and Zack – I know they're – you know, he's the leader of Sabre Jr., but Sabre had the big year and the star-building year. They were going to have him on the show, and, um, you know, they're – they basically, they replaced the ROH title match with the Rev Pro title match, and I don't think anyone's upset about that. Oh, God, no. Jesus. <laughs> no. So – it looks awesome. Yeah, I um, you know, not to make this an entire preview where we just kind of guess match times or whatever, but I, I have a weird—I don't know why—and and I shouldn't. And there, there probably isn't any reason, but I have just this weird fear that this one is like nine minutes. You know what I mean? I, and I don't yeah, know why, but like, yeah, right? Like, it's just kind of—it's it, just kind of wedged. I, the 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 placement is odd to me. It's wedged in between those. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's being treated like a buffer match. It's not their title. Yeah, sure, it's the Rev Pro title, but it's not their title. It is two guys that they're pushing and they're two push commodities or whatnot, but I'm just weird out by where it is on the card and where it's smashed in between. I just have visions of it just being, and it'll probably be very good at nine minute match or whatever. I just have, for whatever reason, I have visions of this being the one that gets cut more than anything. Cause like you said, the match that we're going to talk about next Cody and juice, that one's going to get time. I mean, this is not Cody of two years ago. This isn't just a, a, a Cody showcase match. And it's also not a juice Robinson squash match. He has been pushed. He has been a big deal. He has been a, you know, a guy that was getting pinfalls in the world tag league and it's for the United States title, their title. So, I mean, there, there's, there's stakes there. There's a little bit more to that. So I, if, if one of these two matches has to be nine minutes, I feel like it's going to be Ishii and Zack Sabre Jr., whereas Cody and Juice might get 13, 14, 15, somewhere in that range. So, so yeah, that's kind of my one fear. But, I, you know, when you when you look at it, I mean, that's might be what they do, it, 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 you know, which is it's going to kind of suck and, and whatever. But, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. I just don't see this one, as you said a little bit earlier, getting caught all that much. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this, uh, at, the, at that Goto Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, like, that'd be a fun watch through. 
to go through his Wrestle Kingdom matches because some of them obviously were awesome. Yeah, and I feel some like there of, were a bunch of eras in there too. You're like you're spanning like the you know well, his young Noah, Noah like, stuff and yeah, yeah, it's cool. You got like you know legends in there, you know former Musketeers, and then like he's moving on to like kind of that the next level, and then like what the modern era and stuff. There's a lot of fun fun stuff in that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got the, the Muda match, and then the, all the Noah stuff, and the long Sagara string of matches, the two singles and the tag, and then you have. The, the the tag team era and then the Shibata story unfolds the singles match then they come together in team and win the tag titles and then they have the other singles match two years later you know what I mean so it's like and a lot of these matches were awesome I remember them being a lot of them I remember being okay and some of them I honestly don't remember all that well whether they were great matches or not so I think it'd be a really um fun thing to watch through but uh this year pre-show all right move on I said Cody and Juice any uh, thoughts on that match uh before we kind of no, move on? I, it's um you know I think Juice is a 100% lock to win. That's really my only thought on it. And and you know it, it's Juice's first run with the title came during G1 and and he lost all those matches and everything. So um you know Juice and Saber are guys that I feel like um, are in position to have uh, uh, elevations in 2019. And these you know this match for Juice might be the start to see if if if, if that does occur and. Um, he he could have a better run with this title if he wins it here because he's not obstructed by the G1 and forced to do all of those jobs. So right, right, he, right. if he I'm wins a- this title here, yeah, he could have some defenses at New Beginning and this and that. And He can really know, make and- the title his own. And this title needs stability. It needs a guy to just run with the title and be active with it and and, and defend it and and win it and 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 just like, yeah, really like look like a guy who who, who cherishes the title and, and use it. And that's, you know, I think against Cody, you know, personally, just he hasn't been around a whole lot. He hasn't been defending it. I mean, the thing hasn't fucking been defended in, I think since October or whatever, maybe September, it, it, we have to go as far back. It's just, yeah. it's because of who they placed it on and all that sort of stuff that it, it hasn't been conducive to really getting defenses and being around. So I think juice is the perfect guy and, and, and you nailed it too. And there's, we're going to talk about it. You know, a, a few of these guys throughout Jay White's another one as we go on. I mean, this card could be, and it, it, in a lot of ways it relates to final battle, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. This could be a transformative, show for new japan in a lot of ways because we don't know what the next step is if, if the bucks are gone if omega's gone and cody's gone like if all those guys are either gone or they not you know 100 in or they might be kind of freelancers or part-time guys or whatever they have that next step ready they, they have all those guys ready to go they have zach saber jr at the ready as you said they have juice robinson he could win the title from cody and now he's sort of ready to take the mantle it's kind of the mid card upper mid card you know guy you have jay white who we'll talk about in a little bit is ready to ascend as well so they're prepared for whatever is going to happen whether it be that these guys stay whether these guys are freelancers whether these guys just are completely gone they're ready for that next step and and, and this is one of the bigger matches in in that because juice wins he definitively wins the title now that's his now he can sort of run with it a little bit and and, and make it his own which i think would be a great opportunity yeah and juice is also the perfect guy when he wins this title that you pull from the japanese new beginning tour and you put in in top of the card matches on the new beginning in usa shows right because he's american he's already here and you don't need him in japan you know what I mean? So he's, it'd be perfect to put to strap him up with this title, and he could work semis and maybe even main events on those New Japan USA shows too. So that's something to think about. 
Uh, and the last four matches are ones that we've all kind of known for a while, so I don't know if we need to go exhaustive into these. And we'll, we'll talk, of course, you know, a little ex- more exhaustive as we get to the week of and do our kind of real big uh, in-depth preview. But guy, Kushida and Taiji Ishimori, that's for the junior heavyweight title. Uh, you got Okada and Jay White. That is just a straight singles match. Obviously, a kind of a blood feud, a grudge match there. Uh, Jericho and Naito for the IC title. And, of course, your main event, Kenny Omega defending the IWGV heavyweight championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi closing out the show. I mean, that is a hell of a four-match stretch right there. Good guy. Well, it's like that's become the trademark of Wrestle Kingdom, right? The crazy four-match closing stretch. That's been the case for the last four or five years or whatever it is, and and this should be no exception. Um, but there are some interesting things to look for here. Jay White laid an egg last year. This is a very important match for him. He's worked a lot of gimmicky shit this year in order. Now, look, with the caveat of getting his heel persona over. So I don't really mind it as much because I understand the, the the thought process behind his very annoying G1 run. I get it. I understand why they did it. But it, this is also a company that that where great matches are important. So eventually you have to either drop that shit or find a way to incorporate that shit while also having a great match. And by having the poor match last year, I, I really think it's important for Jay White to have a good match this year, especially in for the in the eyes of your semi-casual New Japan watcher who, you know, parachutes in for Wrestle Kingdom, maybe watches the G1 final, and maybe two or three other shows over the course of the year. What's their impression of Jay White right now? Their impression of Jay White is someone who had a lousy match last year at Wrestle Kingdom did nothing during the G1s that they popped in for and took a look at. You know what I mean, Rich? So it's like, it's it's a big match for him from that perspective, you know? And um, and, and as for, you know, Kushida, Taiji, Ishimori, yeah, we knew that match was happening, but now I think the new wrinkle to that is the word that broke in the Observer last week or the week before, that Kushida is a guy uh, with contract season coming up that WWE is eyeballing. And we haven't really talked about it on this show, I don't think, but it's like, to me, Kushida to WWE, uh, to, to me, makes all the sense in the world for Kushida because he's a guy who really embraces Western culture. He spent a ton of time in Canada. Right. He, he spent, always, anytime there's a New Japan tour in America, he's the first one. To, it feels like to get announced. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Has f- close friends when it comes to like, you know, Saban and Alex Shelley who are based over here and... He's, he's one of these guys who really, you know, embraces the West and Western culture. And he's also, by the way, pushing 40. I know a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, he's, he's on the wrong side of 35. He's, 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 he's exactly 35 right now. Oh, there you go. So, I mean, you know, so does he turn 36 next year or does he? Yeah, I guess he would turn uh, May 12th. May 12th. Uh, May 12th is his birthday. So, yeah, by, by, by this coming. Yeah, next this coming May, he'll be he'll be 36. Man, and I don't think a lot of people realize that because it took him a long time to get up. Because remember, a lot of people don't realize newer fans was not a New Japan Dojo guy. Number one, took him a long time to get pushed when he came to New Japan. Number two. And now you turn around. And if this were baseball, this is his age 36 season. You know what I mean, Rich? So it's like if, if he wants to attempt something in with WWE, it's really now or never. Because if he signs another two-year deal with New Japan, now you're talking about a 38-year-old guy two years from now. And who knows what the landscape looks like then? Who knows if they're even interested in him then? So if, they're in, so if you're in Kushida's shoes and they're interested in you right now and you're 35 years old, Rich, I could totally see him being into this move. And, and here's the other thing, too. I really wouldn't mind it. I, it's like 
I, I kind of think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to give that a go. Do I think he's going to get any traction in WWE? Hell no. I mean, there's just God, no history yeah. to suggest that he'd get any traction in WWE. Um, I think he would do well in NXT and maybe be a fun lower mid card guy on the main roster who kids like, who women like, um, you know, but never gets any. Yeah, he's tiny. That's the other thing that people I don't think realize about Kushida. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, well, eh, that's what New Japan gets for misusing him. The dude is like 5'7", 180 pounds. He, he, he has hit his ceiling in New Japan. You can't tell me that if they moved him to heavyweight, he'd, he'd get, he wouldn't sniff the top of the card. And I don't so, care so if that makes kind of funny. People. This is kind of interesting. Not to, not to interrupt you, I was looking at his weight. So, so on Wikipedia, they bill his height as 5'9", and his weight at 190. Do you know who's not also a, billed at that exact, the exact, the exact height and exact weight? Ricochet. No, Ricochet. I was going to say Ricochet. Okay, Ricochet. Does he look, I mean, mean, total bullshit. Yeah, Ricochet. Yeah, it's. If you watch him versus, he worked a tag match against Ishimori last week. And, you know, they were paired off with each other, obviously, because they were building heat for their match. He's not that much bigger than Ishimori. And Taiji Ishimori is like 5'4. Taiji Ishimori is dangerously small. Like, and and even the frame. Like his frame, it wasn't much bigger than Taiji Ishimori. Right. Yeah. They build, they exactly, they bill uh, Taiji at 5'4, as you said. So, yeah, there's someone's not being truthful there. <laughs> Kushida is way overbilled. He's not, and 5'9, 180 is small. And he, and, and the reality is he's smaller than that. Kushida wouldn't, I'm sorry if this upsets people. You can at me all you want. Kushida would never be a heavyweight star in New Japan. It just would not happen. His ceiling was junior ace. He was junior ace for like four years. He did everything he could there. I could totally see him wanting to move on. And I wouldn't have a problem with it. This has nothing to do with New Japan. Maybe he wants to work G1s and work heavyweight. Well, I'm sure all wrestlers have delusions of grandeur. Curtis Axel wakes up and thinks he's going to headline WrestleMania someday. It doesn't mean that's the reality. Kushida would never work out as a heavyweight in his company. You can't credibly put him into matches. Uh, with with the heavyweights that they have on top, he's just too small, uh, you know. So I, I, you know, I'm totally okay if he does make that move. So that match, it's interesting just to watch for the finish. I think, um, you know, if Ishimori wins, it'll 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 you know add fuel to the Kushida to WWE fire, for sure. Yeah, and 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 really quickly about about him. Yeah, I, he's a guy that. You know, would I be disappointed that he went there a little bit? Because I think, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite wrestlers and I really enjoy him. But at this point, if he left, you know, it, it, it'd be fine. Like, I think it'd be good to have some new opportunities for, for people in the junior division in New Japan. And again, like, a, as you said, if 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 not now, it's going to be never for him if he wants to do it. So even if there's a tinge of, hey, can I make it there? Hey, it'd be kind of cool to try it out. Like, you have to do it now because it's, there's never going to be another time. So you know, maybe not the worst idea in the world. Go over there. NXT is, is is being set up pretty nicely. Whatever the hell they do in NXT Japan, or if they're even going to expand to Japan, he could be a good outlet for that. Like, I know we're saying all this, and it's just going to end up being the same bullshit that it always is with everybody. But, you know, if, if he thinks that that's the best opportunity for him at this time, and he wants to see if he can try to make it happen, then, you know, now is the best time to make it happen because there is not going to be another time. As you said, it, it, in two years, they're not going to want him. So so it, it, it is perfect to just go and do it now. And, and I don't think New Japan would miss him all that much. And that seems crazy to say because he's super talented. 
talented and he's awesome and, and he's an incredible part and he's one of the legends of this division or whatever. But I don't know that they would miss him all that much because I think they have so many other guys ready to go. And I think it'd be it'd be refreshing to the division too because we've talked about it before. If he's never gonna make that jump to heavyweight, he's just kind of there and he's just kind of always there and he's kind of got this this weird shadow. And I think I wrote about it last year in the ebook is yeah. that like the whole division just has this shadow of Kushida over it because yes. it's like. Yeah, you kind of have to give the title back to Kushida sometimes because he's there. And it's like, what are you gonna have him do? You can't relegate him to old man status. He's not Tiger Mask yet, but you don't, you know, you want Osprey and you want Hiromu eventually if he comes back, and you want these other guys to, to get opportunities and get titles, but then there's Kushida, and it's like, well, we have to have him win sometimes. Like you can't just not have him win. So I think it'd be actually the beneficial for almost every party for him to kind of move on and, and, and find another path. But um, we'll I think I think he's become intrusive to the division. I mean, I've he talked really about yeah, I know and that was last year. We talked, I mean, yeah. I wrote that exact thing in the ebook last year and this year he has he's had another one with the title and and he's got the title again going to wrestle kingdom and it feels samey which is yes. hilarious because you would hear that 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 the you know the narrative is that oh Kushida never gets any chances and it's like yeah. you know if you actually follow the company and actually follow everything he's gotten every chance he's gotten uh, so many chances it's ex- it's excruciating he's been, the junior he's, got, yeah. four, he's been the junior race for four years right intrusive by being so dominant in the division like, they've like, done two they've done two separate redemption stories with him like (laughs) how can you say that he's been misused there's nothing Uh, left to do with the man now look would I like to look would I like to see him in a G1 as a novelty thing I wouldn't mind that I'd I'd love to see that but is it is it killing me as a fan that I'm not get that I'm not getting to see Kushida go two and seven in a G1 I mean is am I really missing out on something there I mean it's not the end of the world you know, and, and it's like, I do think he's become intrusive to the division. I, I, I again, you, we were saying it last year. I think he was blocking the path of people uh, with his presence because I think his big junior title run was the one he had. What was it? Two runs ago, I guess, when he had his, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. his real flag in the ground run that he had, which was great. And the one that he deserved and the one that was really awesome. But since then, it's just like, like you said, whenever they go back to him, it's samey. And I know a couple of his runs were circumstance. Like the like the, mo- the current one actually is is just due to circumstance that he wouldn't be champion right now if if Hiromu wasn't hurt. At least I don't think he would be. But it's it's it, it he has become. It's like it, it, that's why I say it kind of makes sense for him right now. This is the perfect time for him to make that jump because he's done everything he can do in this company. And if you think he could be a heavyweight star, you're delusional. On the other thoughts on uh, Okada White, Jericho Naito, Omega Tanahashi. I mean, those are ones we've talked about for months yeah, and months. We'll, month. and we will, well, I mean, we'll get into insane again. detail about those <laughs> in a few weeks, but uh, we've known that those ones are coming for a while now, so nothing too surprising to see those there. Uh, the placement of the matches are all what we thought. So, yeah, we'll we'll dig into that a little bit more, and uh, after the Road to the Tokyo Dome shows, I think we'll have a little bit more insights and, and stuff to talk about, too, of in terms of how the build and some different little nuggets that they're going to put in there. Uh, as well so I, I think we actually will get to those shows but uh, before we do that joe i do want to let you know that this episode of the voice wrestling flagship podcast is sponsored once again by the fine folks at grapple uh, grapple of course is a fantastic new wrestling app which is available for free right now on the app store and google play uh, grapple lets you rate the matches that you watch both past and present then grapple aggregates the ratings for each match and calculates an average of across the board for everybody who rated it to what wrestling fans from across the world collectively think it's a lot like untapped or letter boxed or any of those sort of review restaurant reviews book reviews beer reviews it's one of those apps you, you, you see what people like they give ratings they give reviews and then you kind of see what you know matches that you want to watch and and you mentioned that you used it a lot during the world tag league when you were kind of doing a catch-up is saying hey you know i want to see you know what 
the the consensus is saying the good matches on World Tag League is, so I don't waste my time watching all 190 matches or whatever. And and you found it pretty beneficial too to just kind of go in and say, hey, this has four stars. This is that. Like, talk about your experience a little bit of using it during the uh, tag league. Yeah, so instead of watching all the World Tag League matches, I just jumped on the Grapple app, saw what the top-rated match was from each show, and just stuck with that. And didn't waste my time uh, watching a lot of the underneath stuff that people were, you know, slapping two and three quarters on. Yeah, so it's super helpful. And of course, the only way it works is if people go on there and they rate because that's what makes it better. And if there's 100 ratings and they can aggregate it a lot better, they can give you more concise, more, uh, you know, appropriate ratings and whatnot. So uh, some fun facts they, they sent along to us is from the folks at Grapple. Uh, right now, Joe, can you predict the greatest match of all time per Grapple and the Grapple users? Oh, man, I uh, will take a shot in the dark at this and go with something fairly recent that a lot of people may have had fresh in their minds to rate. I will go with Okada Omega. Two Which out of one, three though? falls. Two out of three falls. That's the best match of 2018. Wrestle Kingdom 11, though, is the greatest match of all time, according to their rating. Right. So, yeah, 2018, you got Dominion. Uh, the greatest match of all time so far in Wrestle Kingdom, uh, or on, on Grapple, I should say, Okada and Omega from Wrestle Kingdom 11. Uh, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin, Joe, from WrestleMania 13. I was there live, ranked as the greatest WWE match of all time so far, and the greatest match this year per the Grapple users. Almas versus Gargano from Takeover Philadelphia. Remember, remember Almas? Remember that guy? He was cool. That was like this year, know. right? Takeover Philadelphia. That, that was this year, right? Don't Andreas know who that Almas. He was the, uh, the the guy that walked around with uh, Zelina Vega. Oh, that Zelina, guy. Yeah, yeah, Zelina yeah. Zelina Vega, right? Zelina yeah, Vegas right, 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 right. That's that's Almas. Yeah, apparently he had a match with Jared Gargano uh, Takeover Philadelphia. That was really good, and it was rated by Grapple users as the best uh, match of 2018 so far. In WWE, but I, that seems like fake news to me. I don't really, I don't know. That Reed must have gotten a, a, a spelling error or something in there that got nuts. But uh, anyway, if you agree, disagree, you get on the Grapple app and you put your ratings in. Uh, some other things that Grapple, uh, that you can do on Grapple as well. You can follow other people and see what their ratings are and what ratings they're giving people, including, you know, myself and Joe. We are both on there. You can follow us. We are featured people to follow as well. So when you get on the app, you see our fine faces right away, which is is apparently allowing people to still install the app. And, and people are still liking the app, even though the first thing they're met with are our faces. So uh, pretty good. Uh, you can comment on your friend's ratings. You can easily create a watch list of matches, which is really cool that you can go back and and, and sort of make that that playlist. And you said, again, like you use that for the World Tag League. You, kept, you said, okay, cool. These are the ones that are doing well. You popped up and then you were sort of able to follow that way. So the, the watch list is a really cool thing as well use a filter uh, to find out what's the best uh, promotions events year month all that other good stuff you can do on grapple as well so uh, some pretty cool stuff so right now twenty-eight thousand matches on grapple those are from WWE, new japan ring of honor progress impact pwg lucha underground and evolve that's going all the way back to 1985 28,000 matches all the way back to 1985 uh there are plans to add more promotions as well as the new year goes on and as the user base keeps growing which is the key to this the user base needs to keep growing so you can download the grapple app for free right now just search for grapple no e that's g-r-a-p-p-l you can do that on the app store or google play you can get on there and get your ratings in for this weekend's tlc uh roh's final battle and then, of course, coming soon, Wrestle Kingdom. For more updates on Grapple, you can follow them at Grapple. That's G-R-A-P-P-L app. That's G-R-A-P-P-L-A-P-P on Twitter. Grapple app. And, of course, download for free on the App Store or Google Play. And, of course, you want to get on there and follow us and see our very accurate star ratings, especially Joe's, because he is nothing if not the most accurate star rater. So we thank the fine folks at Grapple. Uh, for sponsoring us once again, we've got some great feedback from, from them saying that a lot of voice wrestling listeners are getting it. And then some good feedback as well from the voice wrestling listeners. And and one thing I will say, if there is an issue that you have at the app or, hey, they should do this, or it would be better if they did this or whatever, 
that Twitter account, they have responded to every single person that said anything. So Grapple app on Twitter, if you have any complaints, any issues, let them know because they want this feedback, especially from us and listeners of the Voice Wrestling uh, flagship. They want to know what we want from this. So yeah, if you have an issue, if you say, hey, it'd be better if it did this or whatnot, go on there, test it out, thumb around with it. And then if there's something that doesn't work for you, Grapple app on Twitter, they'll definitely respond to you and, and, and take that uh, take that advice to heart. So let's... um. Let's move on here to these Road to the Tokyo Dome shows. We got December 14th and the 15th. Uh, well, I, these are big shows. I mean, people kind of underrate these shows in a lot of ways, but these are your Wrestle Kingdom builds. Like, yeah, you had the World Tag League and that had some stuff right there, but this is the real meat. I mean, this is where you get, you know, Okada dropping a tombstone on Tanahashi on the ramp and and just a lot of really good stuff on this. And these look like super fun cards, too. I cannot wait to watch these. What are your thoughts uh, overall on the Road to Tokyo Dome before we uh, we, we kind of preview these uh, with the, the matches themselves for the two shows? Yeah, they did a good job um, doing a lot of put, uh, booking a lot of interesting things for these two shows this year. They vary from year to year, but yeah, you're going to get your go home angles. You're going to get your snowfall on at the end of the second one. Um, I, 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 you know, the, the you know, one you know that I love I, the snowfall. You know, I love the snowfall, Joe. I can't wait. It's my favorite part of the year. Christmas is it doesn't come until that snow falls on Tanahashi. You know what I mean? It's just it's, it's perfect. Pretty, yeah. I use that I use that image all the time too. It's just a great image because it's just Tanahashi and his flowing locks and there's snow everywhere. Like Christmas has really begun when that when that comes. But anyway. One of these shows is we're recording this on Thursday. It's in a couple hours, one of these shows actually. Mm -hmm. So um they're they're coming up, but they did a good job here. And I will always, always refer back to every year the uh the 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 it was the intercontinental title, I believe, at the time. Uh Masato Tanaka against Tomoaki Hanma. In 2012, I want to say either 11 or 12. I think 12. Um, I'm pretty sure it was 12, but blew the fucking roof off a of cork and all. And um, you know, from there, you know, it's uh, this year. There's a couple that are very interesting. They're doing the Okada Gato singles match on the show on the 14th, uh, second from the top, which is just going to be a shit ton of fun to watch Gato get his. And uh, maybe he won't get his, you know, uh, I'm sh- maybe there'll be a Jay White run in of some type or something. So, um, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. And I'm sure that'll be, you know, just loaded with heat. And, um, you know, the main event of the show on the 15th is just out of this world, bonkers, ridiculous, stupid, crazy. I mean, it's Tanahashi <laughs> and Willow Spray versus Omega and Ibushi, which yeah, is going to be the final match of the year for New Japan. And um, it, it, it's just going to be uh, the, just insane. But um, but yeah, I guess um, there's a lot I did, of. I did want to interrupt real quick. December twenty third, yeah. uh, two thousand eleven. If anybody wants to see that, I think if you look up Hanma and Tanaka, uh, New Japan uploaded that video, I believe, uh, in full. The match in full. It's called like New Japan's Greatest Moments or whatever. Uh, Hanma and, and Tanaka. I won't say anything that happens uh, in it and, and and spoil it or whatever. But December twenty third, two thousand eleven. Uh, if you want to check that match out, awesome, awesome, awesome match. You definitely need to yeah. check that one out. That's on their YouTube or on New Japan World? Uh, I think it's on – I don't know if it's on New Japan World. I know for a fact it's on their YouTube. So okay. uh, either way, you can watch it somehow. I'm sure I'm sure it's on New Japan World too if you dig around, but I know it, it'll – you can quickly find it on, uh, on YouTube if you're looking for it. Yeah, yeah, just a, just a, an incredible match, just the, the heat. Um, but, but yeah, you look at these two shows, and there's, there's a couple of um, – you know, six and eight man tags, but not as many as you think. A lot of the tag matches on these shows are straight up two versus two tags, which always are a little more interesting uh, when it comes to to New Japan. But we'll, we'll look at the key stuff. First of all, uh, Makabe and Yano will be teaming on both of these shows. They didn't do any two uh, just straight up tag matches with them. They're in an eight man tag on the 14th and they're in a 10 man tag on the 15th. That's the semi main event on the 15th. 
It's the main event on the 14th. So Makabe and Yano have a long history as the uh, as the MVPs, and, and they'll be teaming together for the first time in many years on these two shows after Makabe uh, ran people off of Yano at the World Tag League. So that was kind of a big storyline on the World Tag League final, and they will team together in an eight-man tag and a 10-man tag. So maybe something to look, you know, you got two more guys who aren't booked on Wrestle Kingdom, okay? So they'll be in the gauntlet, presumably, or whatever. Um, there's been a lot of rumors of, of possible uh, faction shuffling when it comes to the New Japan Army and when it comes to chaos and things like that. So maybe one of the big things in 2019 is Makabe and Yano forming a tag team again, especially with Tomoaki Hanma appearing to, you know, he may never be the same. You know, he's back from the injury, but it's very clear he's not the same wrestler. So maybe they go in the direction where Makabe and Yano uh, become a tag team in 2019. I mean, that's possible, right? It, it really is. Yeah, and the Hanma thing is, is, has been strange. We've been talking about it for a little bit. I mean, him not being included in the World Tag League was was kind of like an eye-opening experience. And yeah, so far we don't know what his plans are for Kingdom. It might be the slow... I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it might be... Yeah, I mean, he's on these shows, and he's in, but that, that might be his capacity now. It's just doing six mans, and he can't really go yeah. uh, as, as straight-up tag wrestler, which is fine. That's probably a good career path for him anyway. But then you have Makabe out there who, who probably is not ready to, to, to get to that role quite yet. So he no. needs a partner. So, yeah, that, that, that is a, a definitely a distinct possibility. Uh, and, he's still, and, he's, so. and he's still very popular, and Yano's popular, and it would be, it would be fresh, and it would be revisiting an old storyline, and it goes back all the way to the formation of chaos and, and all that. So it's an interesting deal and it does have people excited and we'll see them together, at least on the same side for the first time in many, many, many years uh, on these two shows. So that's number one. Number two, uh, the main event, by the way, on the 14th that we're talking about here, it's Tanahashi, Willow Spray, Togi Makabe and Toru Yano. If you really want to get granular about it, that's two chaos members, a new Japan army member and a great bash heel member. Uh, yeah, which I like, side. I like that we're kind of breaking the walls down a little bit of, 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 you know, stables and, and units and like guys are sort of jumping and maybe not jumping ship, but you know, able to break those walls down, which is good because I think it'd be healthy to see some, some big unit yeah. shakeups here in the, in, in 2019. And this could be the first step of that. And uh, you know what we're seeing in this match here. And they're facing Omega, Abushi, Yujiro, and uh, the Pin Eater, Chase Owens. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who's going to lose this match. I wonder. One working of these up. guys is not like the others. I wonder who it's going to be. Hey, but, uh, working the main event. Good for Chase. There's Owens. no one better than Chase. Yeah, there's no one better than taking a pin than Chase is. So he'll go in there and have his three minutes of, of fury, and he'll take the pinfall like a champ. And, yeah, he's in the main event. So, hey, <laughs> check cashes. That's all that matters, right? So. So other interesting stuff there is the semi-main event that I talked about, Okada versus Gato, which I'm looking forward to big time. And then you go down card a little bit, and you've got Shingo in his first New Japan singles match against Shota Uminu. So, <laughs> Poor Uminu. Ooh. Yeah, he, I mean. He's going to eat it, look, but this is, I hope I hope they unleash him. I hope they unleash the, yes. the, the Shingo of old that we're used to, the Dragon Gate Shingo, where he just goes out there and takes his kid's head off. Be yeah, great. I, I don't want the dragon. You know, I, I want Shingo the prick to just take this kid apart. And uh, and Aminu is good, and, and Aminu has the fans behind him. So that's a real interesting match. And then, you know, there's there's some other tag matches on that show. But uh, on the 15th, the interesting stuff, of course, the main event, Tanahashi and Willow Spray versus Omega and Ibushi, which is just going to be absolutely mental. The semi-main event is, again, uh, Yano and Makabe on the same side. They will team with Okada, Hanma, and Kushida, another bunch of dudes who haven't teamed together in, in ever or in a long time 
And uh, that's a 10-man tag against uh, the Bullet Club. Fale, Tamatanga, Tonga Loa, Gato, and, uh, and Taiji Ishimori. And then on the rest of that show, let's see. This is, uh, aside from the main event, probably the less interesting of the uh, – of the two shows you see anything else there that jumps out i guess not um, really i mean this this one feels i mean that, that 14th show the one we're talking that most of you guys are gonna be li- have probably already watched or are gonna watch yeah. as listen to this i mean there's some awesome stuff on that because like yeah the, the shingo and umino is awesome uh okada versus gato jesus christ i mean that's that's awesome like yeah. they, they could make you know that could be a main event on its own uh just that match and then of course the tag which kind of breaks some some lines as well other than that main event other on the 15th there's not a whole lot else that really jumps at me on that show but the main event's fucking awesome so it's like i'll still enjoy it. it yeah i mean jesus yeah, yeah. <laughs> the main event's just out of this world it's like the 14th like the 15th has the better main event but the 14th has the first makabe yano match it's got yeah. the Gato Okada match. It's got the Shingo singles match. And then a lot of the tag matches on both shows are really a wash. I mean, there's lots of fun two versus two tags on these on these shows. Uh, but, you know, they're not anything that I think are going to be meaningful in terms of uh, storyline and whatnot. But, um, you know, and there's some LIJ versus uh, Suzuki Gun six-man tags on both of the shows. There's an eight-man tag on the 14th and a six-man tag. Well, on the 14th, they're facing Bullet Club. And on the 15th, they're facing... Um, um Suzuki gun. So uh but yeah, those shows will be a lot of fun and there's four or five matches that everyone should have circled from from those two shows that they should go out of their way to catch. And then uh, of course we had the World Tag League final which we you know we're not going to review that in detail. Uh just the key stuff though. Evil and Sonata uh win the tournament. Uh they went chalk here. They beat Gorillas of Destiny and then of course as we all hoped would not happen uh <laughs> And looked for ways for it not to happen. The Bucks came down and inserted themselves in the match. We've kind of gone over all that. As far as that match itself, ah, man, was it long. It just it was, felt long. Well, do, you, do you have the match time ahead in, in front of you? I couldn't I find it earlier, but let me let me try to see if I could find it. Because whatever it was, it was 20 minutes longer than it needed to be. Even though sure I don't know if the it. match was 30 minutes, but like, yeah, let me let me find out what it was exactly. Yeah, but those two, God, those two that was teams. excruciating. Yeah, they faced each other a million times. Twenty-seven minutes. Oh 20 my god, seven. it didn't yeah, even go. It was just... 15, a cool fifteen would have definitely sufficed. That's the, the problem with that match too, and I, I mentioned off air a little bit as we were talking. Like it felt about fifteen minutes in, like they were going to the closing stretch, and you're like, all right, let's go. You know, we got you know dual magic killers and all this sort of stuff, and then they kicked out, and you're like, okay, cool. Well, we're in the closing stretch, and then it just kept going and going and going and the last 10 minutes were essentially the closing stretch which that can't happen because the last 10 minutes being a closing stretch eventually after the fifth kick out you're like all right what are we doing here like why is this yeah. happening so it just yeah 27 minutes way too long for these two guys uh i, I put you know everybody's kind of pointing fingers at, at, at girls of destiny and that, that's true too i don't think even Sonata were any great shakes in this match either i think they all four of these guys went way longer uh than what they're capable of right now so yeah i didn't yeah, i did not like this it was a, you know, it, it just was too long. There was nothing wrong with the work, you know, and it had some decent moments, but it just, it, it, it was too fucking long and it wasn't interesting and I can't recommend it to anybody. Now, the two matches in sort of the never mini tournament, because, you know, they announced late in the game that Willow Spray was going to face Taichi for a number one contender match, which, you know, quickly I want to say, I like when they do that as opposed to Willow Spray simply walks out and challenges the winner of the next match. I, you know, it, it's so much better when they actually have. Yeah, you asked for it. Hey, uh, can I? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think it. Yeah, you know, I like when they earn it. You know, and and so you had your little mini tournament here. You had Osprey and Taichi in the number one contender match, and it was stated as such. 
And then they had Kota Ibushi challenging Hiroki Goto in a storyline that is just so Goto. Uh, he says, uh, basically, here's how this storyline went, Rich. <laughs> Poor Kota. Hey, uh, hey, Kota, you, you want this never title? And then Kota saying, nah, man, I'm good. And then Goto saying, you sure? You sure you don't want to crack at this? And Ibushi saying, look, man, I told you I'm not interested. And then Goto going, listen, you really want to crack at this? Never. And then Kota Ibushi basically said, all right, if you shut the hell up, I'll wrestle yeah. you for this title. And, and then, then he the needs his result- fucking head off. Yeah, he needs his fucking head off and steals his title. <laughs> yes. And then the end result is he then wins the title, which he never wanted to begin with. So right. that's just and now Goto. Goto's not a Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> and now Goto bumped entirely from the Wrestle Kingdom show because he insisted on goading this poor man into a match that he never wanted to begin with. So that's just the most Hiroki Goto storyline of all time. Uh, Kota Ibushi wins the title. He will face Will Ospreay. We don't really need to look at anything else on this card, I don't think, other than a brief mention of Chucky e. T just going mental, uh, basically on every other show in the World Tag League and attacking everybody with chairs. I don't know where that's going, but I hope it's going somewhere. Uh, it could factor into some of the uh, the unit or, or faction shuffling and mistrust. Who knows? But uh, it's kind of weird that Chucky e. T is just kind of like snapping in the middle of his matches and attacking everybody with chairs. Uh, but let's talk about these never matches a little bit, and uh, then we'll talk about the new beginning in USA and then move on from New Japan. Uh, Willow Spray defeats Taichi. Rich, um, I saw you talking about this match a little bit earlier. I think you, what'd you say, about four flat in your opinion? Uh, four, on yeah, one, four, four on the dot, yeah. See, the thing about both of these matches is I don't think either one of them were structured or given the time to be like these massive epics. For what they were, I thought they were both really solid awesome professional wrestling matches to watch for what they were. I don't think either one of them were meant because they gave a thousand, they gave 27 minutes to the stupid main event on this show. Uh, You know, they they were solid, solidly worked, really strong, awesome to watch professional wrestling matches. Um, The Osprey Taichi to me, what I liked about it was Will Osprey, first of all, was fucking awesome. Okay, his selling once again was just off the charts. Um, you know, they, they told a tremendous story here uh, with Osprey and Taichi going after his injury and all that. And the thing I liked about Taichi was we didn't get the Taichi nonsense. Okay, we didn't have mic stands. We didn't I love have, it. This is uh, it. This is what I want from him. I love it. Yeah. We had and 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 you are a harsher Taichi critic than I am because I have defended Taichi matches before that you have buried. I've done plenty of burying of Taichi too. Don't get me wrong. There's times where he aggravates me and I don't want to see him. And I do think he's on the lower echelon of new Japan workers, but there are, but I, you've been harder on him than I have been. Um, I, I don't mind his antics in certain spots. I think with the stakes that were involved here, um, I, I like that he worked it straight and I like that he had a plan and he went after Will's injuries and Will sold like a motherfucker. And then he, you know, he just came back and won and I'm right with you. I, you know, officially, if, you know, as far as the old grapple app goes, I'd go about three and three quarters on this. Enjoyable as fuck. And, um, and uh, yeah, so what, what did you think about this? Uh, I know you had some thoughts about Taichi. Yeah, no, I really like Taichi in this match because, like you said, it was the non no nonsense, no bullshit. And he was, he was kicking. He was, he saw that Will Ospreay in terms of how the match was structured, that Ospreay came in with, you know, obviously the, the, the taped shoulder, the taped ribs, like 
he was a mess. He was a wreck. Like he, it felt like, and the story was kind of that he wasn't, that he was coming back, even though he maybe wasn't a hundred percent, maybe he wasn't all the way ready to come back. And, and Taichi, I love it because sometimes he fucks around. Sometimes he jacks around. Sometimes he's just worried about getting these roll-ups and doing these bullshit wins or whatever. This was a guy that was determined just to show that he could beat this guy. Maybe he was a little under the weather or a well, little or he's a little injured. So Taichi said, oh, you know, I'll do, I'll make this straight. So he just kicks the shit out of him. He just attacked him. And I love that. And, and, and I, I want to see more of that from Taichi. I love this Taichi, I, you know, and, and, and it's always been my complaint with him is that I like him between the ropes, but I just hate the bullshit. I hate the roll-ups. I hate the mic stands. I hate the distractions. I hate all that crap. I just want to see the dude go out there because he is a pretty good worker. He's got some good kicks. He has some vicious looking offense and he could be a junior bully, but he just a lot of times decides to be the, the junior, you know, the guy that just fucks around or I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of frustrating, but here was a much more focused, Focused Taichi, and I think it worked out pretty well. And the crowd uh, w- w- was super behind, you know, Osprey coming back and, and trying to work through Taichi and stuff. So I think that was really cool. And as you said, Osprey worked his ass off in terms of selling. I mean, he made that every punch he winced with. He couldn't flip right. He couldn't corkscrew. He couldn't do anything. And I think that just played into the story so well. And anybody in the world that still says that Will Osprey can't wrestle or doesn't know how to sell has only watched a GIF, and, and they're just not watching because does this was. Awesome selling by Will Ospreay. He was selling the fuck. And, and even I, I get the complaints. Some people make the complaint about Ospreay where all he's doing is kind of the yell selling. And I get that. There's times where he just yells a lot and that's his selling. This was not that. This was the ribs, his 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 core, all of that was being affected. He was inefficient in everything that he was able to do. And then he just finally kind of rallied towards the end and, and, and got through and survived the match, which I really liked as well. So, yeah, I, I just really, really liked it. I think Osprey played his role perfectly, and Taichi was awesome as a badass, just killing this guy. Stiff kicks, stiff moves, good offense the entire match as well. So I really, really enjoyed this. The thing about his selling in this match is this show was worked in front of one of the deadest crowds you'd see all year in New Japan, and he got he was one of the three or four most over people on the show, if not more, and he ra- and the crowd, he got the crowd to rally behind him with this, which is really... The whole point of selling is to get the crowd to rally behind your comebacks and to rally behind you as you uh, as you come back and win the match. And that crowd was so firmly behind this man. And it was in part due to the just tremendous selling that he was doing in this match. And uh, I, don't, I don't care about the yelling. I think people overstate that. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I, it's funny how Joshi wrestlers can just scream at the top of their lungs the entire match, and that's okay. But Willow Spray screams a little bit, and, you know, he's 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 an asshole. I love how that works, too. Right, but, right. But, no, I think um, even if that is your complaint, you have no complaint. I I, I would – Yeah, I, it wasn't you'd, that, you'd be that really – you'd be breaking your bat to come up with a complaint for his selling in this match because everything was was on point. And, and, and yeah, I and think got both the these guys played the role perfectly. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, the fans were rallying around him, and 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 um, you know, and he had a good opponent for that too because no one likes Taiji. So it's like that, you know, he's he's a the, the definition of a heel. I mean, he's you know, so so it was a just a perfect dynamic, and I thought for a guy who hadn't wrestled in forever, I mean, he was he was fucking phenomenal. And then we had uh, Abushi beating Goto for the title, which we all expected. And I think I like this match more than a lot. Just talking to some people. I have this at exactly the same rating as the Osprey Taichi match. I had them both at three and three quarters. Um, I thought this again. I thought these were both like what they felt like to me were really strong TV main events. You know what I mean by that? Like these would have been really strong main events on NXT TV or uh, fucking 205 Live or something like that. It was they were those kind of matches. They weren't at the level of New Japan main events, but 
they were really strong, and they were even had the length and the structure of of, of good solid TV main events. And I thought the work in the Abushi Goto match uh, was excellent. I think both these guys were were very good. It just wasn't structured in a way where I think what let people down, and I'll let you speak to it because I don't think you liked it as much as I did, and maybe I'm wrong. I think what let people down a little bit is they didn't really have a closing stretch here. Um, Abushi just took control of the match and put them away, and I think. Maybe we're conditioned a little bit to be waiting around for that closing stretch. What did you think of this match? Yeah, see, I didn't really like it as much as as you did because I thought it was just I, I I had trouble figuring out what the focus of the match was going to be. It felt very much like Goto was trying to do sort of these slow plodding, sort of methodical beat down match, which which he's really good at. And Abushi can kind of play that role too. And then Abushi was kind of a little bit more of the the flyer and, and and quickness thing. And and it felt like they were kind of building to something and building to something. And then it just kind of ended. And and I don't know. I just for whatever reason didn't hook me on the same level that it did you or or I've seen some other people as well. Uh you know, I, and it's not to say it wasn't a bad, it was a bad match or anything. I'm probably like three and a half or or you know three and a quarter with it. I just don't think it was quite to the level that, that that you thought. I did not think it was four flat, and I thought Osprey and, 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 and Taichi was a lot better than this one, just because, I don't know, there just didn't seem like there was a central focus. I just had a tough time really getting invested and involved in it. I went three and three quarters on these matches, sir, not four flat. Oh, I'm sorry. So I'm don't sorry. you dare misrepresent me and my <laughs> accurate star ratings. Um, no, it's funny. It's like we basically <laughs> gave it the same fucking rating. And it's like, you know, it's I guess it's just the way that that people phrase things, because, I mean, there's like no difference between three and a half and, and three and three quarters. So um, we're, we're really in the oh, you same. Loved it, you loved it. And I hated it. That's I think that's what we I guess. So I guess it's how it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it's like I, I give you a good example, like. Today I watched all the WWE Network stuff, and I watched you know like Buddy Murphy versus Grand Metalik and Sed versus Tony Nese, and then the, did you see Ricochet Tyler Breeze on NXT? You really need to I watch. Have not, that, I've right? heard awesome. I'm I'm gonna go out of my way to definitely see it. I've heard incredible stuff about it. Yeah, and then Trent Seven versus uh, Joe Coffey from the first NXT UK uh, that area. That's another one. Those four matches were like very similar to these two matches, I think, in quality. And those were like all solid TV main event. You, you know what? I, that's why I kind of make that comparison where it's like, uh, you know, they're not structured to be like these great epic main events there. And I don't think these two were either. I think they where they were on the card and everything and the time they were given. And, and um, you know, so I, I put them in the same neighborhood. It was really, there's not a lot of good stuff on the, on the network yesterday, those four matches in particular. But the, um, the, the Ricochet Tyler Breeze you need to watch just to see Tyler Breeze looks like a fucking, he comes off like the world's biggest superstar on that show when he comes out because they did the mystery opponent gimmick and he comes out in full sail, just the fucking roof blows off. the And then he goes out there and fucking kills it with Ricochet. And it's just like, you're watching this and you're thinking, how can they just do nothing with this man on the main roster? Who's proven he can get over and then has proven he can work like a motherfucker too and go out there and have matches like that. Rich, you will watch this Tyler Breeze Ricochet match and you will just, it'll, it'll, it's like a microcosm of all of the problems on the main roster. I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. I'm really excited. I've seen just kind of clips and YouTube videos and stuff and just seeing like, you know, he goes out there and he gives a handshake to Ricochet afterwards. And it's just like, he can be a human being and be, you know, Prince pretty at the same time, but he goes to the main roster and he's got to just be, you know, this over the top. Yeah. It is what we, we've said. He's a times, talented yeah. guy. And it's yeah, like, he's so thought, good. And, and people forget and these, guys, right these guys don't just start sucking. Andreas and almost doesn't all of a sudden just start sucking eight months ago. Tyler Breeze didn't start sucking. Tyler Breeze was good in NXT. He had great matches in NXT. He just, now he just doesn't have the capacity to have those 
those great matches, but those guys can all go. They're all great wrestlers. They just don't get any opportunities. It sucks. I thought by now, Tyler Breeze would have evolved a little bit from the Prince Pretty thing, right? I remember us talking about it at the time. It was like, I don't think the Prince Pretty gimmick is a main event gimmick, but I think he's potentially a main event wrestler, right? But he would just have to evolve from the gimmick. And right. that's okay. You know, you get your foot in the door with one thing and you evolve from there. But he's never – they've never allowed him to evolve. He's just typecast into this thing and into the lowest of the lowest prelims doing comedy with Fandango. And then he goes to NXT, walks in that building, and he and he feels like an enormous star. It just really is crazy. And then you should uh, – I know you've kind of um, given up the ghost on NXT UK with their overload of uh, material. But, yeah, really, uh, I'll, I'll jump back in when there's one episode a week, man. It's it's too well, tough. I'll, to I'll be, tell you what to watch. Right episode now. a week thing, man. Yeah, Trent Seven Joe Coffee was tremendous. I mean, definitely watch that and watch. You know what else you should watch? I'll give you three. Can you can you handle three matches? Can you do that? I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Okay, sure. Trent Seven Joe Coffee. Watch that from this week and watch the two Fabian Ochner matches. The one from last week against Mark Andrews. And the one this week against Flash Morgan Webster, because they do this cool thing where there's like match to match booking with that one. So and I know you'll dig that. And plus they're they're decent matches, too. So uh, just, if you can handle three matches, watch those three. Here's the, rule, yeah. here's the rule of thumb with NXT UK, though, the last few weeks. The first episode is always awesome. And the second episode always sucks. I, I'm sure that's just happenstance, but it always works out that way. So. Uh, that's another thing too, but yeah, I don't know how we start talking about that stuff. I, but uh, that was the <laughs> World know, Tag yeah. League final. World Tag League. That's of course how we started talking about Tyler Breeze. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember how we got to that, but hey. And one last note on New Japan: they also announced at the World Tag League wrap-up presser uh, that they will be back in America at the end of January slash the beginning of February with uh, New Japan. Now, is it New Beginning in USA or is it US New Beginning? I don't know how they're. Uh, officially phrasing it but we'll call it new beginning in usa for our purposes uh the 30th of january at the globe theater in la that's where pwg runs i guess most of their shows now if not uh, all yes of them. i think that's all most of them now i think that's the official place I, and okay. they they are they're called the new beginning usa so not in the usa just new beginning usa okay. i don't know if there's like a translation issue there but the new beginning usa so New Beginning USA, so January 30th in the Globe Theater in L.A. I love that building. I thought Bola looked great aesthetically in that building. I know some people disagree. I thought it was a massive improvement. I thought PWG looked major league for the first time, the first time I saw them in the Globe Theater. So I love that building. And it's not a huge building either, so you're not going to need a big card to fill that place up. And then a couple days later, they take a day off. They travel cross country. They're going to go to Charlotte. At the Grady Cole Center, a slightly bigger building. I don't know what the setup's going to be. That's on February 1st in Charlotte. Two shows announced. Okay. They emphasized and they they, they actually noted that a lot of the of Shibata's dojo boys from L.A. are going to be on these shows. So we're going to get an extended look at some of the dojo talent. We're going to and, – and they're also – this is running concurrently with the New Beginning Tour in Japan at the exact same time. So you're not going to get the full New Japan crew, but what you're going to get are people not working the New Beginning Tour in Japan, which is why I noted that Juice Robinson uh, earlier would be a good possibility because if he's U.S. champ, it would make sense that he works the U.S. legs of the New Beginning Tour as opposed to the Japanese legs of that tour. Right. That's just my speculation because I think it makes sense. So you're probably going to see – a lot of the Americans who they don't bring over for the new beginning tour. You're definitely going to see a lot of the dojo boys. And my guess 
my guess is you're going to see one or two of, you know, the stars who we were either pulled from the new beginning tour for a couple days <laughs> or just left entirely off of it. Because Rich, remember, they have such a big roster. They have been cycling people in and out. Like Minoru Suzuki doesn't work every tour. Uh, Kenny Omega sure doesn't work every tour. Um, and he's the champion. Oh yeah, I and, heard of that. I, I heard that. <laughs> and, and as far as some of the lower card guys, like they oh, they've been doing a much better job. Given like Tanahashi has been given plenty of time off. And then the lower card guys like Tenzan and Kojima and people like that, and Nakajima, and, and uh, they, they, you know they're not working every every uh, Nakanishi. They're not working every tour either. So they have done a, a better job this year of rotating guys in and out. They have plenty of American based talent. They've got the dojo guys. I don't know what to expect with these two shows. Um, I think. I think if people are expecting the usual California-based uh, shows that you're accustomed to seeing on Axis, I don't think they're going to be loaded like that. I don't. Um, but but in terms of what you're going to see, you maybe get one or two big stars, maybe the U.S. title in the mix near the top of the card, and then filled out with uh, you know some of their like I would totally expect to see people like Chase Owens and just the American based guys. Yeah, oh for sure. I mean, I and I think one of the things too is we look at these arenas and and and, and these are not. I mean, the Grady Cole Center or whatever. I that, I looked at a few other shows that that were there. You know, there has not been a lot. Uh, you know, people haven't really been running that all that much. NXT ran it uh, earlier this year. I don't have an attendance number on that, but if you look at some pictures, it's pretty interesting. It's not a very big building, and the last comp yes. I could find is uh, ROH ran it in uh, 2010 and they got 950 people in that arena so i don't it's not for i mean yeah. this isn't a basketball arena you know what i mean this isn't a a 5000 6000 11000 this is this is scaled back for sure i mean both of these venues are not meant to 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 be this sort of these aren't MSG, you know what I mean? Like this is yeah. this is it's, it's interesting to see a little bit of a. I, I don't know if that means they haven't been happy with the U.S. expansion or if they're just changing the way they're approaching it. I don't know what it is exactly, but yeah, these are definitely. It, it felt like the momentum was kind of rising for these shows, and now it feels like it's either they've kind of petered it out a little bit or kind of fallen back to to maybe what's a little bit more comfortable and a little bit. They don't have to sweat these out. I don't think. I feel like these are probably going to sell pretty well pretty quickly. I think versus the, new, the, the new, you know yeah. The new Japan name is going to sell these out. Sure. Oh, for sure. The Globe Theater one will sell it in a minute. And and I, I don't know about the Charlotte one. People are like, I don't know about Charlotte. But I I mean, geez, if that's 900 to 1,000 people or whatever, that'll sell out in minutes. That's not yeah, a Yeah, the new Japan name, first time in the market. And you throw Juice Robinson and Minoru Suzuki and fucking, I don't know, whoever else on that show. And I, I, I think you're too fine. Um, I, I don't know. Look, we have to let it play out. I don't have a read on whether this is them scaling back or or maybe it's just the thing of maybe these are additional shows that they're running in the U.S. Right, and that's what I mean. We don't know the rest of their schedule because then maybe in April yeah. they say, oh, yeah, we're going to have it at the Staples Center. And you're like, oh, okay, never mind. Like, that's never mind. They are right. Okay. Yeah, these yeah, could just be it, extension mm-hmm. of the dojo shows in a lot of ways. And that, that might be – because a lot of people wonder, oh, geez, Charlotte, that doesn't seem – and that might be what you're saying. They might just be – these kind of not necessarily feeder shows, but these sort of secondary shows to be half dojo guys, half some of the stars, you know, in new Japan, which might not be a bad direction as well to kind of do those sort of blended shows throughout the country. And then you can get to a bunch of different markets and not necessarily build up, you know, three or four big matches throughout the year, but maybe, you know, seven to 10 sort of smaller scale matches or smaller scale shows, I should say uh, throughout the year might be a decent idea as well. Rich, if, if new Japan came to Texas with a, you know, uh, to an 800 seat building with a Juice Robinson main event, I'd go. Why not? I yeah, mean, well, I, sure. you know, it, it's it's it. But we don't know if this is the new normal 
and I don't suspect that it is. I suspect that these are just additional shows that they're now running here, and they'll continue to run two or three times a year their quote-unquote big United States shows. But these shows, there's no pressure to book a big card or to, you know, uh, put out a – so it's kind of like, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. Now, the other thing that we – the other thing that we we were told though, and we talked about this on the pay side, uh, so our subscribers were given this information a lot earlier, was this was meant to be a four stop tour, and you know there was a date booked in Atlanta on the day of the Super Bowl, which they quickly rethought and and decided was a horrible idea and canceled, and there was a date in Nashville. Which went as far as people saying that they had plane tickets booked. That means talent, um, you know, which was never announced at the press conference. So I don't know what the hell is going on with Nashville. My gut tells me they're not running that Nashville show because they would have announced it at the presser or something else would have come out by now. I suppose they have a lot of time between then and now. I'm sure mm-hmm. they can come out in two weeks and say, oh, we're at another date. You know, maybe they're just slow rolling it or slow playing it. Um, I don't know, but we do know that there was a Nashville date on 2-2, and then there was an Atlanta date, the day of the Super Bowl on 2-3, which that one looks bad like idea. <laughs> yeah, that's not a great idea. That was idea, a horrible right? idea. I mean, a horrendous <laughs> yeah. idea. Well, that's just like, yeah, Harold, you, you know, I know you know Japanese toys and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, let's uh, maybe well, don't exactly run a show the, night I mean, of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I know you're joking about Harold, but that's what it strikes me as, as yeah. some a Japanese person made that decision and then someone said hey um there's something big going on in america that day that's not <laughs> right, the best yeah. idea yeah. and they thought better of it um because it's just the tour happens to land on that weekend right so, right you know you know so they pulled back and that was going to be center stage i think the national one makes sense so, maybe there's a venue change or something like that because it makes and everybody's kind of questioning like what the hell why are they in charlotte and then like so they're gonna go cross country just for one show and they, it, it doesn't make sense it, it makes yeah. sense that they're going to do something somewhere in the middle of the country. Whether well, yeah, they, maybe they well, yeah, something's happening if, on that. If first. you look at the original schedule, they have or the a second, off. I should say. Yeah, if you look at the original, they have the thirty-first off to travel cross country, and then three days in a row, it would have been Charlotte, Nashville, Atlanta, which are all just yeah. fucking something. Something's going in that too, too for sure. I, I that yeah. something has got to be going there. Uh, two, yeah, three, I mean, you should sit that one out, but um. Maybe that's the strange. Nashville yeah, venue didn't work out or something. I don't that's know. That's what I mean. Maybe something. Or, yeah, maybe they're rerouting away from that. Yeah, something is. But it, it does not. Everyone's right when they say it doesn't make sense. They're just going to Charlotte for one day. It doesn't. There, it doesn't. Something is going to happen on that second. Right. Or And if it doesn't, it well, now you know why they're going cross-country for one day because it was originally three dates. Right. You know, and, and, and Atlanta was center stage, which fits the profile of the size buildings that they're running to. Yeah. And, and, so, and one thing we mentioned that we'll kind of move on uh, to, to other topics, but we said, you know, kind of the, the scaling back where we're not quite sure. And we'll see when the booking of these kind of come forward and, and whatnot. But for me, when I look at these buildings and I look at the size of the buildings, I feel like this is they've decided that they're going to give America New Japan shows, but not necessarily. You know how we've been complaining and crying? You know, we've, we've been saying, oh, we, we want we want America to feel like they're getting authentic New Japan shows, like they're getting real New Japan shows and real stakes and all that sort of stuff. They might be saying, you know what? Eh, we don't really need to do that. <laughs> you know, we're just going to give you, we're going to sell out these thousand seats arenas all across the country or whatnot. People are going to watch it and know about it. And and yeah, there'll be maybe these more regional markets, but maybe we aren't going to steer storylines to the Americas. Maybe we aren't going to necessarily do that. We're going to focus mostly on our domestic business and, and having all the big angles happen 
in Japan. And then, you know, America, they get some showcase matches. They get these dojo guys. They get a Minoru Suzuki sometimes. They get a Hiroshi Tanahashi sometimes. Not dissimilar to what they do maybe with Ring of Honor right now. You know, so yeah. that that I feel like is probably what they're doing, which I don't really necessarily disagree with because I thought this last year was a little weird in terms of how do you how do you balance America expansion with domestic business and who gets what and what titles are and they tried to make the u.s title that and i guess that was a, a valiant effort and it it just didn't quite work and 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 i think it also tells you that there's some uncertainty about the the elite guys as well which kind of leads into our roh final battle as well that maybe they don't have the confidence that they could just slap cody and omega on that and, and the bucks on a show and sell out four thousand seats you know in, in in a second so which and if that's the case if they're not confident about it it's a good idea because you don't want to show your ass booking a big building and then only selling out 900 you know, are only getting 900 tickets sold. So, yeah, I think, I think, um, maybe they, they will start building these shows around that U.S. title. I mean, when you look at it, the U.S. title is mostly defended in the U.S. I mean, Cody right. had that defense scheduled against Trent, too, and he, he pulled out because he was hurt, um, on the RH show and, and last title changes in the U.S. and all that. So, um, you know, that's why, you know, I, I kind of see it playing out that way. I kind of see, Juice winning the title and then headlining these shows against, you know, mid card opponent. You know, people like Trent. He's another perfect guy. You know, or Chucky e. T. Or you know, guys at that level. Um, and I, I do think the New Japan name will be good enough to, like, in a first time around in a place like Charlotte. I, I think they'll sell nine hundred tickets just before even a card is announced. Um, the thing is, can you return to these cities with basically NXT level shows? That's basically yeah, that's, what it is. That's going to be a struggle, and I guess that's what they're going to try this year. I mean, they've tried to kind of they, – they did the big matches and the big shows this this past year, and now it's – yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. And but I think – I my I don't know this for a fact. I think they're going to keep doing those bigger shows, though. Yeah, I we'll think see. These are, I think these are in addition to. I don't think they're replacing. I, I but, but again, I don't know that. I, I Would it stun me if it's the other way and, and this is just the new normal and this is what they're going to do? No, that wouldn't stun me at all because, like you said, with the uncertainty, because they really did lean on the Bucks and Omega and Cody to draw on those shows. As well, they should have. That wasn't a mistake, but there's uncertainty there now for sure. Right, right. And I think there, there, there might be a question, too, where you kind of get these, maybe you book these and, and get them in advance. And then if you get some sort of notification from Cody and the Bucks and those guys and, and, and understand how the sort of relationship works, then you can maybe have confidence that you can book one of these shows and book the, those guys on a bigger show. But maybe get these kind of out of the way. So you you got your America you know schedule locked in. And then if you need to, you can sort of add stuff later. We're, we're all just spitballing this. Uh, those but it's interesting. Really, It'll be fascinating to see what happens. The elite are going to be working for New Japan next year. They, they, listen, I said from the beginning they're not going to WWE. I still believe they're not going to WWE. And oh, even if not. this, and even they're if not. this thing, even if this thing starts up with Khan, now I do buy into the fact that they could be leaving a Ring of Honor. That I do buy into. Oh no, I think they are. Yeah, I, I think it's very. I, I, yeah, we'll talk about that when we talk about Final Battle. I think that's done for now, at least. Maybe yeah. there's some weird capacity where they can come as freelancers, but as far as like regular guys, they're they're done. They're done. Yeah. I mean, I never bought they were going to WWE. There's too much money still on the table outside of WWE to cash those chips. And I think that even if the, the con thing starts up, I think that, that there's just too much money to be made going to Japan on at least a part-time basis for all these guys. And but does there become a thing where they don't want to compete in America? If, if they don't want to work for New Japan in America... Yeah, in I mean, some I, ways, if they're running the, and that's maybe where I, I, I totally believe you that the Bucks and, and and Omega and and maybe to a lesser extent Cody would be doing stuff in Japan throughout well, Cody the next flat year. Out, but well, Cody flat out said he wants to stay in New Japan because yeah, he wants yeah. to work at G One. He wants to work at G One. 
but does that maybe eliminate them from uh, yeah that's gonna be bad but <laughs> you know geez. uh but you know yeah how how does that work with them in america yeah it's fascinating 2019 man these next few weeks are gonna yeah. be fucking fascinating we're all just falling we're all we have no fucking clue what's gonna happen it's contract it's fascinating. season I cannot wait. yeah i love it we got promotion <laughs> starting up it's it's this is it's gonna be wild and it's a lot of fun and and as someone who enjoys seeing jumps to see how they all play out and how people do in different places um i love this shit i love this kind of stuff you know well i think so. that plays perfectly into final battle so let's get into that because this is the yeah. most excited i've been about ring of honor in years because dude this this is this final battle is a very apt name for for the show because it is pretty much, I mean, you can you can speculate, whatever kind of weird words you want to say, but all speculation, all signs, whatever you want to say, point to the Bucks, Cody, probably Adam Page, and maybe guys like Christopher Daniels and, and Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. This might be it for them. I mean, the Bucks, Cody, and probably Adam Page, those look like they're done for sure. Uh, Marty is obviously still signed for, for another year, I believe, or another few months, I want to say. Uh, but yeah, Bucks and Cody, this feels like the end for them. And that's a huge moment for ROH. We know that they're bringing in PCO. We know they're bringing Brody King. We know they've been building up Jeff Cobb a little bit more. He's going to be facing Adam Page. We know that they're, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, Ring of Honor is ready for them to leave. And this feels like the time for them to leave. And I think it's probably... Like we mentioned with Kushida, it might be a good thing for all parties involved. I, I mean, yeah, sure, Ring Runner's business might suffer in the short term, and there might be some residual issues, but we always knew that they could not continue to go to this well as many times as they were going to go to it, and it's they've become complacent in a lot of ways. And I get it. I get why you'd be complacent when you could just book, book the Bucks and Cody and do all that sort of stuff. But we've seen, even in the last two months, Ring of Honor just kind of really stepping up a lot of their, their talent acquisition, bringing in Zack Sabre Jr. for the show. He's doing some stuff as well. It feels like there's some new life in Ring of Honor, which is good, and it has me really excited for them. What, what's kind of your thoughts overall on, 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 on Ring of Honor, you know, potentially post-Elite? I think they'll collapse. I, I, I don't see anybody there who people are going to pay to see. Um, they didn't prepare sufficiently for it. They waited till the last minute, start signing people. Uh, you know, I don't, I think PCO is on minute 14 of his 15 minutes. He might be on minute 14 and a half at this point. Um, Brody King, you know, whatever upside anyone sees in him, it's still going to take a while to get him over. They've been too slow on Flip Gordon. I know they wanted to stretch this thing out with Bully Ray to final final battle. We knew that was the case, but they've been too slow on Flip Gordon. Um, Jeff Cobb is fine, but again, I, you know, it's. I really believe if you remove the Bullet Club fans from the equation, I don't think Ring of Honor is left with much there in terms of ticket buying public. Well, and do I you think, think they're, that they're only fans of that? Do you think that they have not? They, they won't stick around for anything. You think that once those guys think, are gone yeah. and once they kind of understand that those guys are probably not coming back, that they just completely bounce? I think they lose an enormous chunk of those fans, yeah. Okay. And, and I, I don't, I, I don't I really, think that you're all the I way wrong, gonna, I but think I think these are important few months. Yeah. Th- th- see, I don't know if it's going to nosedive. I, I think it's going to be maybe a slow sort of gradual people sort of saying, oh, geez, are those guys not coming back or all that. They really are done or whatnot. And that's why I think Final Battle – and these next two months are so key, just as the last two years should have been key. And we've been banging the drum, and I've been banging the drum more than anybody about Ring of Honor getting prepared for these guys to leave. I've always said if the Bucks just got to bug up their ass one day and just said, ah, we're done, or ah, screw this, we don't really want to do this anymore, or if some of them got hurt or something like that, they'd be screwed. And now, you know, it's it, 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 it's come. It's finally, this point has come, and, and I think they've gotten ready over the last month, but a month is not enough time to get ready for this. And, and what's going to be now the key is that you're going to get a slow erosion, but in these next two months and with final battle, especially they got to have a kick-ass show and make it clear that you have to stick around. Even if these guys are gone, this is what we have. This is what we're offering. 
and this is why you need to hang around and that's going to be the key and i don't know that they can do that i don't know if this current crop of of, of guys behind the scenes at ring of honor can do it but this is the time and that's why i'm fascinated to see it i i want to see if they can retain these fans if they can weather the storm i i, I don't know if they can or not but i want to see them give it the best try they can because they have as you said they I don't know if it's going to be a nosedive, but they do not have long. You can't wait six months and think that a bunch of people are going to say, ah, geez, those elite guys aren't coming back. It's going to happen quick. So you've got to deliver a final battle. The TV tapes have to kill it, and you got to kill it for the next month if you want these people to hang around for the future. So I'm fascinated to see how that goes. Who says Flip doesn't go with them? I mean, that's I a- think there's a contract thing with him, but I don't know 100%. I feel like he. I feel like if they want Flip to go with them, he leaves as soon as he can and goes with them. I mean, I, I feel like he's in that inner circle. Yeah, well, if Khan's I mean, got I that money, sto- too, I know just, story. He- I know storyline wise, he isn't, but we know he's in that inner circle. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, and that would be another blow. You know, basically the last homegrown young guy they have left. I mean, I don't think Jonathan Gresham's a star, and I think that um, I don't think that Jay Lethal is someone that you build around and. Maybe you split up the Briscoes and try Jay Briscoe again. And I, I just I feel like if all of those guys leave, they're fucked, which is what we've been talking about for years. So I see it nosediving because I don't see them being able to do enough at final battle to magically get other people over. I mean, I think if Ring of Honor, I could just speak anecdotally from the town I go to. I go to San Antonio. I can tell you right now, if there's no elite slash bullet club on those shows. I mean, that's at minimum 60% of the crowd in bullet club t-shirts, 60%. Now, if you're, if you're telling me, all right, yeah, those are bullet club fans, elite fans, whatever, but they like ring of honor too. And they'll keep showing up. I think some of them might, but I think you lose a lot of them. I think, I think a huge chunk of those bullet club fans are not buying tickets to see Jay lethal and Jay Briscoe and Jonathan Gresham and whoever the hell else is left. I just, I just, that's not my feel on the situation. So um, maybe they get them to come in for cameos or work without a contract or, um, you know, I don't know. Plus, like you're saying, you know, throw SCU in the mix who are enormously popular right now. Um, they could potentially be out the door as well. Um, I, I suspect strongly that Flip Gordon is within that inner circle as well. And Marty's um, just buying his time too. Marty will be out of there the second he's able to go. So, oh yeah. <laughs> or and there might be some workarounds and loopholes or whatnot that they can get out of that contract too, because wrestling contracts are you know wrestling contracts. You know what I mean? Like you know they they, they could maybe find some way around that. Yeah. So just kind of you know this was in the Observer uh, this week uh, about ROH attendance. And we've been talking about this and following the story as as it's been going on over the last few years as well. And a lot of this uh, work has been done by a friend of the site, uh, Levy Margolon, as well has uh, done it. He, he's really great at kind of covering. Uh, attendances and, and rises and falls and all that sort of stuff, kind of a WrestleNomics uh, guy. Um, <clears throat> here's what uh, this is what Dave wrote, and a lot of this research was by him, uh, Lavi, I should say. Uh, ROH attendance grew strongly in both 2017 and again in 2018. The promotion averaged 644 fans in 2013, grew to 830 fans in 2014 with AJ Styles coming in as a semi regular uh, and the rise in popularity of the Unbucks, followed by 985 or 86, I should say, uh, in 2015. Uh, dropping to two, uh, 928 in 2016 when Styles left and Cody arrived. And now in 2017 with the Bucks and Cody and all those guys, 1,105 for them. And then, uh, yeah, I think this year uh, they're at 1214 as well. So they've definitely seen a precipitous rise with the Bucks and Cody and those sort of guys. So like you're saying, I mean, it's not like 
these are big deals and and how quickly they fall off is is up for debate like i think it's a slow erosion you think it's a nosedive but i still think no matter what these next month is so key and oh, yeah. and it, it's probably not enough time i mean the, we the, the last two years should have been key last two years you should have had 10 guys all ready to go uh, you should have your main inventors ready to go because right now i mean when we look at final battle we'll talk about it i'm excited about final battle because i can't wait to see what sort of happens in the ring of honor and what it looks like after after the show and after the elite but you're going back to jay lethal the briscoes and you know what i mean like it's and dalton castle and like yeah it's that they were there before and they they were there the whole time but who are the next guys other than a jeff cobb and, and a brody king i mean that's I, that's not enough and, and i'm not super high on either one of those guys as top line drawing stars i mean I, I, I'm, I'm just not. And I mean, I talk about Flip Gordon a lot. I'm not, look, I'm not super high on him in that role either. I think he's someone who maybe you can build into a top guy, um, but I'm not like super sold on it. And and then who else is there? Um, you know, people that have been there before that are, you know, veterans and, um, you know, it's, it's, and we knew that this was going to happen. We've been saying for years that this is the proverbial house of cards. And, you know, they were they were riding this until they couldn't ride it anymore. I just don't think they did a good enough job preparing for it. And, um, and now if they do all leave en masse and then on top of that, run opposition. <laughs> See, that's the other thing, Rich. It's direct competition potentially too. So yeah, that's, that's the thing. so that's that's why I think it nosedives too. Well, and that's why, but but I I also don't think that's a nosedive because they're not ready to go in January. You know what I mean? And that's why I think that they have until these all elite guys get everything together and figure it out and run yeah. a show in April or June or whatever whenever they run a show, they have basically until that point to prove that they're they that you that Ring of Honor is worth your dollars and all elite is not, and that is going to be real tricky for them. I don't I don't have much confidence in it. I just can't wait to see if they can do it. I'm, I'm I'm fascinated to see how they approach it and what they do with it. But yeah, if you ask me to bet the house on it, I bet the house that it does have not a nosedive, but 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 horrible. And 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 eventually, after five or six months, get to the level that you're talking about, where where they might be right back to where they were before the Bucks and before Cody and all those sort of guys. Even and though, AJ. yeah, they, yeah, I mean, and, and AJ too. We shouldn't understate that too. The AJ thing was a huge huge deal. And those guys aren't coming. There's not an AJ to sign. There's not a dude. Yeah. And that's one of the issues too. It's like who does Ring of Honor go to? Who's that? You know, if, because they didn't build it themselves organically. Who's the big ace in the hole that they sign? Like. Who would it honestly be, Joe? If if I if if Joe Koff called you and said, Joe Lanza, I have a million dollars to give to the top wrestler in the world to make Ring of Honor great again or whatever, and that he would probably literally say that. Um, <laughs> who would you do? like? Who would you pick? You know, if you had it right now, you had a million dollar check. Who do you pick? There's the only person they can conceivably sign is Austin Aries. Right? Is Austin Aries gonna? You're gonna give a million dollars to Austin Aries to lead and your company to the next? <laughs> you know, and that's assuming, and that's assuming. The shit with impact isn't an elaborate work, which isn't impossible. Um, there's still people who are convinced that that's an elaborate work, but you know, assuming you know that what's really hurting Ring of Honor is the is the is the existence of MLW and MLW aggressively signing people to contracts and that are you know that potentially could have been out there for but the but here's the thing about that too before mlw was even a factor ring of honor wasn't chasing those kind of talents right they were and chasing, that's the issue and that's the issue they were chasing they were signing brutal bob seminar talent yeah. all of that and time the kingpin and, and yes. bruiser and those guys and yeah 
and, and they found a couple diamonds in the rough. They found Punishment Martinez, and they sure. found Flip Gordon, and that's fine, you know, because those guys were were literal no names before Ring of Honor, you know, found them. And but they whiffed on way more than they hit on. They they hit on two guys. They hit on Flip Gordon and, and Punishment Martinez, and one of them's gone. Right. And one's gone, and one's going to be gone. <laughs> you know when he can. Yeah. So yeah, and, and, right. and and they and they found a few like prelim dudes that right. have worked out. Yeah, they worked on Keith Lee and Leo Rush and ACH and all these sort of guys. ACH would have been a great guy to, you know, obviously the NXT thing is happening now, but if he was happy in Ring of Honor and they had been doing some stuff, he's a potential guy there. Keith Lee is a guy who, of course, is in NXT now, but potentially if things had worked out a little bit differently, maybe he'd be a guy. I mean, there are there are guys. They have had those guys. They've had those opportunities. They've Donovan had Dijak. the top prospect tournaments. Yeah, Dijak is another one, too. Now, now, see, I think that's – see, all of those – Cedric Alexander, I mean, you go on and on. The thing about all of those guys is while I agree that they mishandled a lot of them, those were so far – that was so long ago that I don't think it would matter today. I think those guys are getting signed regardless. Um, now, could they have pushed some of them better? Absolutely. Um, you know, but – Well, I'm saying though if, if, if ACH is your – you know your main eventer and your world champion or whatever, does he instead say, yeah, I don't need to go to winter park, Florida. I I'm right. the main event, you know, I'm the ring of honor world champion. You know, I've been the champion for a year or whatever. Why would I go there? Like, I, yeah, that's, that's where I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what their motivations were, but I think it's impossible to say what their motivations would have been contract wise. Had they been put in better spots versus, yeah, I don't want to be fucking around in the Indies anymore. Of course I'll go to NXT or yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that versus, you know, a guy like a Jay Lethal, who if, if if NXT came up to him, he'd probably say, no, I'm good. I'm in a good spot at Ring of Honor. I'm on top of the world right now in Ring of he, Honor. I'm, I'm just, happy to do this. Yeah, he just did re-sign Ring of Honor. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, no. so yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. I just think that um, – and, and I totally agree that they mishandled a lot of those dudes at the time. But some of those guys were going back to like 2015 when they left, 2016. And but I think I, that's, that, in a lot of ways, was when the problem started. And we were on the show yes, saying it, it that, like, mm-hmm. you can't let those guys slip through the cracks and let Brutal Bob and and the Kingpin and fucking Beer City Bruiser be the guys that you're championing for your next rounds. Like, that can't, those cannot be the next guys. And I don't see, it's weird, Joe, I don't see any of them on this final battle show. You know what I mean? Like, where yeah. are, you know, the <laughs> any of those guys that they, the Brutal Bob seminars, the great training seminars of Brutal Bob. And I think the, the, the larger issue for me, and, and, and you've mentioned this as well, too, is building those guys organically to whether it be whoever it is it doesn't matter if it's a keith leader we're naming names because those names kind of emerge or whatever where are the guys that came up through the training seminar that you busted your ass and made somebody out of made those guys made them into stars because that's what you have the capacity to do you have tv you have pay-per-views you have all this ability to do that and it might have been a guy that we've never heard of that could have had an opportunity and could have gotten up to that level but they just you know they instead they you know they they use the they use the most recent top prospect tournament for jeff cobb to squash a bunch of dudes in 30 seconds like yeah, when you're about to lose half of your roster, like what are you right. doing? If there was ever a year to really legitimately use <laughs> right. one of those things, but they use it as a storyline. Dragon Ball Z guy, and they have you know Jeff Cobb destroying Dragon Ball Z guy, and that's yeah. all it is. And it was funny, but it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, do you not see what's happening? And maybe they didn't. So I don't know. And look, you know, they signed Cobb, and they signed PCO, and they signed Brody King, and they're, they're trying. They're trying. The problem is that they waited too long to try, and they waited to, and and, yeah. and they did mishandle some of the people that they did have, and um, and now they're in a, a a terrible, terrible predicament because now even if you do unearth people, it takes time to get them over, and they don't have time. 
you know, I don't have a year to get a couple new guys over, you know, even if they find some diamonds in the rough. Um, so I, I – and here's the other thing too. I mean New Japan is running Charlotte like a week apart from Ring of Honor too. So it's like all these – you know, they're getting stabbed in the back left and right. You know, it's like we knew New Japan. That, that's another thing we've always talked about. New Japan is just, was ready to just put the knife in their back at any moment. Oh, yeah, right. And 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 now the elite is doing the same thing. That you know they're going to get opposition from both New Japan, especially if New Japan is now going to be running thousand seat buildings. Yeah, that's, they're they're size buildings. Yeah, direct competition. Direct, in the same cities, they're going to Charlotte a week apart. I mean, this is now New Japan is now direct competition. Khan and the elite are going to be direct competition for talent, for buildings, for everything. You know, and, and it only spreads the talent out even more thin if a new promotion starts up because it, it's already a scramble for talent with MLW and Impact and and uh, Ring of Honor. And, and MLW and Impact in certain places have been smart and they've been working together to kind of share talent and those sorts of things. And, and, um, and you know, WWN and whatever the fuck they're doing and, 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 and you know, you know, the, you know this this scramble, you know, WWN signing up Josh Briggs and and it's just you know, anyone with a pulse is like on everyone's radar to get signed. Like, who would you rather be right now than like Sammy Guevara? Like, like to be an unsigned person with a name at this point, his phone must never stop fucking blowing up. You know, him and whoever else is left out there who haven't gotten a deal from somebody, and you just play them all against each other. How is Sammy Guevara not in Ring of Honor right now? Like, what are they yeah. doing? Mm-hmm. Unless it's him saying no, it's like you're fucking Sinclair. You, it, I, it's you know, hypothetically, you'd have a deeper pocket than all of these other places. It, it's like, how do you not have a guy like that? And how is he not showing up at Final Battle? Like, I, I, you know, it's like, I know they've signed some people, but they need to sign. They need to call Austin Aries and Sammy Guevara and anyone with a name and and um, but I do think MLW is is has hurt them tremendously because now that Ring of Honor is showing that they're willing to go after names instead of seminar guys because they're desperate. MLW has a lot of them locked up because they've come on the scene over the last year. Right, so, they filled that kind of niche that that Ring of Honor was. Wow, they added competition to that niche. That that sort of yeah. not the number two, but the number you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever WWE is, whatever one one they are, and whatever number you want to say everybody else is because they're so far ahead. But like the number ten, you know, Stott or whatever. But the de facto number two, there's now competition for that de facto number two in, in a lot of ways. And and they've they've had it for a little while. They've been in that niche, and now you know they they're getting competition from it. So I mean, Ring of Honor ran off ACH, and then he stayed on the Indies like another two years. They could have built around them and all that right. time. You know? So it's like, yeah, some of them were going to go regardless. Like, Dijak, I don't think they blew Dijak. I, they were pushing nah. Dijak. But it's like, you can nitpick some of the minor booking decisions with Dijak. But I feel like they were going forward with Dijak. But the guy got signed. What are you going to do? But a guy like ACH, he's been gone from the company, what, like two years? And he's still bouncing around the indies. It's like, you could have had him this whole time. You know, so there, you know, there are ones that they really fucking blew. Like Ray Rowe, okay, the guy signed. What can you do? You know, but but ACH, I mean, you you blew that one. You, you know, it, it's it, by pissed them off and you ran them off. So I, yeah, I, I see a very murky picture. But I guess let's take a look at this final battle show and see if there's any uh, uh, potential upside. 
All right, here we got uh, what I believe is going to be our opener here, a match that they added uh, late. Kenny King versus Eli Isium. Isn't it Isium? I don't know how to exactly pronounce it. Is it Isium? Isium? Yeah, I Eli Isium. Isium. Is it Isium? Okay, I've heard it before. It's players, Eli so. Isium. Now, he's a guy who, now, he should absolutely win that match. Yes, he won't, but he's he should. Not, <laughs> he's not he's going, not going to. to. <laughs> right. But he should absolutely this win that match. Problem. Because <laughs> Kenny, Kenny King is nothing. I, I, Kenny King is a, a mid... All right, I'll give him a little more credit than Jim Cornette does. He's a mid-card fucking wrestler, all right? But, you know, Jim Cornette, the famous line, he's a fucking preliminary preliminary fucking wrestler. Okay, and actually he's working an opener here, so Jim Cornette was right. He's been in Ring of Honor for fucking 20 years, and he's still working openers. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about Kenny King. Eli Isom needs to win this match. This is a guy who who they trained and could potentially be a homegrown guy. And what is would be any reasoning on earth for Kenny King to win this match? I can't, you know, give me, give me one fucking, is Kenny King going to be your next title challenger? Okay, maybe, but why? <laughs> right, like, why? Right, right, right. So, There's no so real this, good reason. Yeah, there could be a reason, but it's not a good reason, so. Eli Isom should win this match, and Kenny King should demand a rematch, and Eli Isom should win that one, too. Just fucking push somebody new, and this is a perfect place to do that. Uh Four corner survival match for the Women of Honor World Championship. We got Sumi Sakai, Madison Rain, Karen Q, and Kelly Klein. I don't know if you watched the uh, the Pinnacle uh, videos they've been doing, the ones uh, uh, done by Lagana uh, and his team there. Uh, they've kind of moved on to do some stuff with the Ring of Honor. Really good one on this match as well. They talk about Madison Rain, and I'm really rooting for Madison Rain now because she talks about how she just wants to go home and open her suitcase and have her daughter see the title. And it's like, yeah, it's a super humanizing moment for Madison Rain, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping for her. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes with uh, Sumi Sakai. She cannot win this anymore right like she has to lose it at some point right yeah but i don't know who she would lose to here i don't um, know either i think maybe maybe the idea is let's belt up madison rain because we're i think so talent and she's at least a name and a national tv name and all that and they did the video on her and all that and maybe um but sumi sakai has been bad she's been a terrible champion kelly klein is not good i am not high on karen q i know that some people are and i she was okay in the may young classic i'll be fair there but i've never liked her stuff in in ring of honor and I don't think Madison Rain's very good either. Um, I think this match is going to be bad. And I, I, I would say Sakai has to lose, but I don't. None of those three people move my fucking needle at all. So I don't know. That's an ugly looking match to me. Yeah, it's yeah, it's bad. They, they, <laughs> we'll they got screwed when Tennille Dashwood got sick. Right. Everything was built towards her, and it just yeah, it hasn't been able to work that way, and they haven't just haven't been able to do it. So. Uh, all right, we have Matt Taven and Dalton Castle. Hey, <laughs> I, listen, <laughs> good solid veteran hands. I don't know what to there you say. Go. Move I, on. All right, <laughs> move on. Jeff Cobb. Dalton Castle. I'll say yeah, this: Dalton Castle is a wreck. I know he's back, but it's very clear that he is just held together by fucking tape, and um, he's just an injury mess and. Unfortunately, he might be like an injury-prone dude, or it was just he worked so long with his injuries that I, I don't know. He just he doesn't seem the same to me, and um, you know it, it's a shame because at one time he was seen as one of the guys. Oh, they can build around Dalton. They got to build. Remember, we would say that. Ah, uh, start building, and and they did build up. Give them yeah, credit for they Dalton got to Castle. They got there eventually. Yeah, they got there eventually. They built them up and they tried, and it didn't really work out all that great, but. I give them credit for giving it a go with Dalton Castle, you know, but it's like now Dalton Castle is a good, solid veteran hand. You don't view him as the future anymore because he kind of had that run already 
Now he's just one of these middle guys that feel like are just would be retreads. You know, yeah, and, he feels like he comes from a different era. Like when he came back, and I was watching the promo videos, I was like, like, ah. like I'm happy he's back, but it's kind of I don't know. It felt like everybody kind of moved on, and now he's like, oh yeah, you again, right? <laughs> he's no longer one of the great hopes. Yeah, no, he feels just kind of yeah. I'm trying to figure out a comp that that he would be like, but yeah, it just doesn't feel. He feels out of place right now, so it's it, it's unique. But yeah, he's here with Matt Taven, and again, another situation where Taven probably should win. Like, there's no real reason for Castle to win. I think Castle probably will win, but but you know, I guess you got to still keep building up Matt Taven. Like, I don't really love that concept, but if Taven's you're looking around, forward, it well, he's running around with the fake world title belt. And it looks like a challenger. So, I, yeah, I think Taven will win. He should. Yeah, he hopefully will win. So. But I mean, really, it just comes down to. Who do you want to push out of these two? That's who should win. Because I don't think it matters, honestly, who you choose to push at this point in time. But it looks like it'll be Taven, yeah. Uh, move on here. We got uh, Jeff Cobb uh, d- defending the world TV title against Adam Page. I'm looking forward to this because I yeah. think that um, they've they've really done a good job. With, look, they've done it. Give them credit for Cobb, too. They've come in and, and treated him like a fucking monster which is exactly what they should have done. They're trying to rocket pack this guy and make him a big deal right out of the gate. It reminds me a lot of how Impact has booked Brian Cage. So I like what they've done with Cobb. And Page cut a really good go-home promo. Um, It's weird with their TV because the go-home isn't really the go-home because then there's the show the next weekend, which you might not air in your market until after the pay-per-view. It gets real muddled at this point in time with their TV. But at least on last week's TV, Adam Page cut some real good pre-tapes on Cobb. And I think these two could have a really good match. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it's booked as well. Because there's there's a justification that if Page is on his way out and it, it feels like he obviously is and all the signs point to it, is this the thing where Cobb just goes in there and just decimates this guy? Like, I, I don't know that that's exactly how I would do it. But it'd be kind of interesting to see if Cobb just goes in there and he looks like an absolute killer. And he, he just puts Adam Page away in a minute and a half or two minutes or whatever. And then you're like, Oh shit. Okay. This dude's ready to go or whatever. I, again, like this is, I'm looking at final battle as like, all right, what is the next three to four years in ring of honor that I'm looking big picture with this one show. And I'm saying, well, we don't need to go. We don't have to have Jeff Cobb go neck and neck with Adam page. Fuck Adam page. He's leaving. You know, we're worried about Jeff Cobb. So I'm really curious to see how this book to, you know, I don't think they're going to do that, but you know, I don't think they'd be unjustified in doing it. So I, I think that'd be kind of a fascinating story to see. And if you're going to do any of these guys getting just squashed, I think this would be the, the, the obviously the, the one you're going to do it with. Um, no, you're right. I think that if this were another era and if page is leaving, I think that'd be the right decision do a squash yeah. but a you really see that kind of stuff these days you know nah. so it's all gold watches these eras and and you deserve it and thank you for the time that you've given us and i don't know Aren't i like the old era it's like fuck off. The old yeah. men. well We're i mean i like the era no i mean you have no loyalty to them fuck them they're leaving especially <laughs> you're trying to make a new star too that's the thing yeah too. right right like, the perfect spot for like a, a a 30 second match where he just fucking kills him if he's leaving right Maybe we shouldn't make them leave yet, quite yet, but eh, we'll see. Uh, SoCal Uncensored uh, defending their tag team titles against the Briscoes and the Young Bucks. Ladder War. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a great match. Um, real curious to see who eats the fall and those sorts of things. Um, the Briscoes, uh, you know, maybe if everyone is leaving, I could easily see another Briscoe split because. Jay Briscoe would be one of the top Jay's, commodities left. You need Jay. Yeah, you you need Jay for sure. <laughs> As he, a baby face. And yeah. yeah. 
turn him back, maybe do some kind of double turn here, um, and 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 you know make Jay one of your top baby faces again, and because you know they're not going anywhere because they're unsignable. So, you know, it's like, so you know he'll be there. So, you know, I'm interested in how all that shakes out. Who takes the fall? What they do with the Briscoes? I think what they do with the Briscoes might tip off what's going on with the elite, right? Because if they do do some kind of turn or double turn or whatever, or Jay Briscoe, it's obvious he's going single after this thing. That might be a tip off that they're losing some talent. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this match will be great. Every ladder war is great, and this one will be absolutely no exception. So I'm really looking forward to that one uh, for sure. Christopher Daniels for Marty Scroll. This is for the uh, Marty Scroll's number one contendership uh, of the ROH World Championship. I would assume Marty wins this one, but this is a weird show, so who knows? But uh, Daniels has made a lot of references to uh, this is it for me, or I'm done, or this is my last match in wrestling general, or my last match in Ring of Honor. Like he, He's been sort of hitting that drum a lot, maybe a little too much to the sense where maybe he's trying to surprise people by getting the win here. I don't know. My sense is that scroll wins, but I don't know. Daniels could probably win as well, but uh, this one will be pretty fun to check out uh, too. Two things. One, you alluded to you alluded to it earlier. Scroll's contract runs a little longer than the rest of his pals. So they've got him for a few more months. Number two, Christopher Daniels has made it. It's part of his storyline too, that he has no contract. Like the, the, his, his storyline enemy is Joe Coff. Mm-hmm. The whole deal is Koff gave SoCal uncensored contracts when they won the tag team titles, but then it turned out those contracts were only for Kazarian and Sky. And now they're upset because Daniels doesn't have a deal. And like that's his storyline, too. Right, so right, right, right. They moved it into a storyline. So there's a, lot of go- there's a lot going on here. And it could be one of those things where Daniels wins the number one contender spot, but they already kind of did his last go at the world title story a couple yeah, years ago. Right, right, right. So it's, it, it, hitting he, that well again. Yeah, and again, I'm looking forward again. And I and if I look forward, you know, you still have Marty for a little bit. Let's let's do Marty. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's do as much as we can. No need to go back to Daniels. Let's let's move forward, move ahead. So uh there's a lot of different ways they can go with the next challenger on this show. I mean there's three or four guys that can potentially come out of this as the next challenger which is interesting to watch. It's not obvious in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Jonathan Gresham, Zack Sabre Jr. This feels like from a, a like, what, what is this ring of honor? Zack Sabre Jr.? What yeah. the fuck? Like, that's good, though. This is the guys that you should be bringing in. Zack Sabre Jr. is a guy that you should be utilizing as much as fucking possible that uh, took years and years for them to utilize at all in any capacity, but Jonathan Gresham, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. Um, the thing with Gresham is... They treated him like a jobber for so long that it's going to take a long time for him to gain credibility. Yeah, they got to rebuild him. Yeah, I mean, I got to build him, period. Or build I mean, him, build him. Yeah, I should not even rebuild. Yeah, build is, is probably the better Straight up job guy for his entire duration there. And it's like they had the little thing with Lethal. And I didn't like those matches as much as other people did. People went nuts for that, you know, the, the best of three falls one. I thought it was okay. Um, the, the thing with Gresham is. It's like I don't think he could be a star. I think he's too small. Um, he's another guy who's like five foot three, and I I think he just doesn't have any charisma. I mean, I think that's his biggest issue. But it's matches like this where I do think they can get him over to a certain level where he becomes like a cult thing, and I, he has some of that already, but not necessarily among Ring of Honor's fan base. So you know, it's like I, he should win this. 
I assume Zach Saber Jr. is done. I mean, just coming in for one shot. So this is a good jump point where, okay, it's your biggest show of the year. Gresham could beat a guy who is considered the top guy in his style. So it could be a big scalp for him to win a match like this. But then continue that forward momentum. Just because I personally don't think you can go all the way with him doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Um, And it doesn't mean that whatever his ceiling is, you shouldn't try to hit it. You need any kind of stars that you can get, even if they're not necessarily have the potential to be difference-making stars on top. So, And on top of that, I mean, it, it, it could be you know, the best match on the show. And to, you know, a lot of people who really dig the style that these guys are going to work, it probably will be the best match on the show. So there's that too. It's a really cool looking match on paper. Yeah. And, and this is going to be, I, I think it's a good opportunity as well for ring of honor to start catering a little bit more to those hardcore fans. Like it said, the Gresham's got that sort of indie cred kind of or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, you might want to start pulling those guys back in a little bit. Cause that, those fans, since you've you've grabbed all the elite fans or whatever, and they've come, but like you're saying, they're some of them are probably going to leave, and you've lost you've lost the hardcore indie fan. Now might be a good time to kind of get them back because that's where yeah. you're going to be able to get your talent from as well. Is going to have to be those ranks, and that might not be as lucrative, but it's about the only way you're going to survive. If, if, if you know you got you can't ignore them, so yeah. And that's be, what uh, I was kind of trying to express. I think Gresham can draw that kind of fan. Yes, oh, certainly, yeah. And they're already using Tracy Williams too. And he's not on this show, but it's like. You know, guys like that, you're going to draw – like maybe you can draw disenfranchised Evolve fans. I was going to say grapple fuck, disenfranchised grapple fuck of all fans. Come – yeah. we have a new home for you. Yeah. It's... You know, so it's like and, – and, and at this point, if they lose all those Bullet Club fans, any kind of pocket of fans that you can attract to your product at that point right. is, 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 is worthwhile. It's just too bad that Gabe has his claws in Joe Gacy, right? Dominic Garini's still available. You can Dominic Garini's still available. You can, uh, you can yeah, yeah, yeah. Garini. Yeah, that's true. You know, Gabe gave up on him, so maybe you bring. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to drop me anymore. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, not me, but that's fine. Uh, all right. Speaking of not me, Bully Ray, Flip Gordon, I quit match. <laughs> Bully has to yeah, quit. I mean, right? <laughs> they've dragged this fucker out for so long. Well, I don't know because they did not quit match on TV last week and nobody quit. So, you know, what the fuck was that? They have an I quit match on TV. No one quits and they come back from commercial and it's over. There's no one in the ring anymore. So I don't know what the fuck that was. No contest, DQ. No, nothing. No announcement. They they announced nothing. And it was just apparently it was just over. So Bully Ray (laughs) flipped Gordon. Is there any chance Bully Ray wins? Oh my god, Joe! I've been saying that since June. I've been saying that since June. So I don't know. Yeah, there probably is. This has to be the pinnacle, right? It has to be. But I don't know. Maybe I've been saying that since June. Again, like I said, I I have I have seen this. I've been ring. I've been to two, like two Ring of Honor live shows in the last two years, and I've seen this feud both times. Like, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, I've been there since May. <laughs> I've seen a live show. It's, oh my god! Can't believe it's still happening. Uh, and then our main event, Jay Lethal Wait, defending the ROH. Where is this oh, show? sorry. Where is this show? Uh, this one is in Hammerstein. Hammerstein Ballroom. Fuck, man. They should book Sandman again for, for uh, Gordon's Corner. I'm not even I'm not even joking. You're right. Oh, I forgot about this. Why not, right? Yeah. And the ta- isn't the tapings in Philly? The tapings are in Philadelphia. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm with oh, you. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, they're doing, uh, they're doing Tracy Williams and Zack Sabre Jr. at the tapings. Right, I right, right. I know that. Gresham's going to lose. Yeah. 
Gresham is going to lose. Can you that's fine. It? If you Gresham's got if you got lose. if you got Saber on any sort of deal, then that's you know, true. If you're, you know what, you make a good point. If you're getting right. Saber even for fucking six dates, then yeah, he should win. And right. if and if Gresham looks good in losing, it's fine. If it's exactly. one of those deals, right. and then they, yeah. they, they shake hands or whatever. Because I, if Saber's wrestling Tracy Williams at the yeah, and then uh, I forgot about that. PJ Black and Juice Robinson, and then uh, they're bringing Rush in, right? So Rush in as well. So. Um, and that's big. And you know, I saw that Roosh match in MLW you were talking about, and you nailed it on the head. He came off like an enormous star. It was so and good, LA, yeah. And, and LA Park did not. You were right. See, okay. So I'm not nuts. I was like, you I was done. I was like, that no. didn't work. Like, what was that? So, okay, I'm glad that it, it came that same way uh, on TV. So, all right, then our main events, uh, Jay Lethal defending the ROH World Championship against Cody. Uh, a lot of the builds of this has been pretty fun. It's been Cody sign- kind of saying, hey, you are, you know, Jay Lethal, you're Mr. Ring of Honor, you're the plow horse, I think he kept calling him and whatnot, and you wear the, t- the t-shirts, and you shake everyone's hands, and and you're the cagey veteran or whatnot, and I'm not that, and I don't ever want to be that or whatever, but I want to win your title. And Jay Lethal basically saying, well, you know, I'm going to win this title and get you out of Ring of Honor because you don't belong here. It's kind of the tenor of the yeah. uh, the build, and it's been a pretty good build, and it's it's pretty realistic, and it makes sense, and it's got realism to it. The, the pinnacle videos uh, with Jay Lethal were really good as well. So, yeah, it all signs point to that, and I think 100% Jay Lethal is winning this match, right? There's no chance in hell that cody is winning it i I don't think i'd be i'd be stunned but uh yeah Yeah, the bill seemed to indicate one way for sure unless all of this was a wild misdirection on purpose or though they might do the surprise deal like maybe cody wins here and then just loses the next night right we do a summer of punk thing with cody or something yeah maybe but i have no problem look this i'm not like excited about this match at all i mean but it'd be like my sixth most anticipate a match on the show because there's some good looking matches on this show i mean gresham zach saber jr i'm looking forward to the latter war obviously christopher daniels marty Skrull's interesting to me um you know so it'd be like fourth at best but i have no problem with milking cody to draw another house i don't have any problem with that i mean yeah, it's the no, right it's... decision you know you had a big building to fill hammerstein um you know and then so yeah i mean i don't expect him to win no i think he'll lose here and you know, they'll at least leave for a little while. And then again, who knows what happens down the line? Yeah, what the next step is. But I think it, it's been interesting to see that the build has been very much pro Ring of Honor, the history of Ring of Honor, the eight, yeah. you know, these guys, they're they're kind of painting it. And, and I think, again, like a smart idea. Like, I don't care. I don't, those guys are leaving. If they're going to move on, I don't care. Don't build it up that these guys were legendary things. And they're, they're building it up as like, yeah, there was a little blip in the radar, but now we're back to Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Like, it's, which I like. I like the idea that you kind of say, hey, these guys came in, they kind of ran ruckshaw over the company, but now they're gone and it's, now it's back to us. It's back to lethal. It's back yeah. to these guys who have been here forever and done it for these years and have the lineage and all that sort of stuff. And I like that. That's a good way to approach it. So, um, you know, make it a positive. Make that these guys leaving a positive of like, yeah, there was a little brief period here, but now we're back. It's a ring of honor, baby. And, and, and I like that. Again, like it, it's, you know, maybe some people think it's disingenuous to Cody and the Bucks and how important they were, but they're leaving. It doesn't matter anymore. You got the business out of them. You got the growth. You got the ticket sales. No, out of the next one. That's, you know, next guy up. That's, that's all. That's for wrestling, man. You know, you can't cry over it. Yeah. And I guess we should give him credit because we never brought up Tracy Williams because he wasn't on the card. But that's a guy who I think they signed, right? Aren't they? I think so, too. Before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and, and I'm not a huge fan, of course, but that's a good that's a good sign. But yeah, you got to get anyone at this point. You got to fill the roster. So you bring in a Tracy Williams and, you, you know, you bring in a PJ Black who no one's really been using. Juice, uh, Saber, looks like they got some more dates. And Roosh, the interesting thing with him is, from all indications, MLW wants to build around him. So... It just screams of a one-off, but 
I mean, I you know, because the last I heard, and I think it was maybe that was in the Observer. I can't remember, but MLW wanted to build around him as one of the top guys or the top guy. So I don't know how that falls into place with him working this random um, Ring of Honor taping in Philly. So um, that that's a bit odd. But you can see effort there in trying different outside the box names and signing people and. You know, it's not cheap to bring in Lucian, Zack Sabre Jr. And I suspect that, you know, with as little as PJ Black works, he just isn't interested or he's very expensive or both. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of times people who are very expensive aren't interested and that's why they're expensive, you know, but, um, but so there's effort there, but it just reeks of panic button effort. Where was this effort for the last two years? Right. I don't know. Everybody saw it. I don't know. Yeah, they didn't listen. They didn't listen to us for sure. <laughs> We've been saying it since 2014, for God's sakes. Always got to be ready. We, and yeah. they heard us, too. Believe me. Yeah. Believe oh, me, they yeah. heard us. All right. So, <laughs> Joe, we're running a little low on time. We can't go the full three hours uh, this week. How quickly do you want to do this TLC preview? Because I don't <laughs> well, We can do this. We can nail this. We can do it. We got it. I know you um, are not. We're not even wanting to talk about this at all. Um. Let's do the old school one to 10. I mean, let's go old school on it go, and have yeah. some fun with it and get the hell out of here. How about yep. that? Sounds perfect. Okay. You want me to do it? Okay. All right. Ray Mysterio, Randy Orton, chairs. Now, this might take a while because there's 19 matches. <laughs> I was going to say, that won't go any quicker. Ray Mysterio <laughs> versus Randy match. Orton in a, <laughs> in a chairs <laughs> match. <laughs> now, as you know, Rich, these two men have been feuding for years and years, and it has yeah. been based around chair attacks set up this stipulation. Of I'm already annoyed. We've been talking about it for a minute. I already hate it. Yeah. What? Why are they having a chairs match? Like, uh, well, tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs. You know. Oh, because it's that time of year on the calendar right. where you have to have a stipulation. Oh, I see. Okay, I understand. Chairs match. So I'm sure this will be super heated because of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I don't give a shit about Randy Orton at all. Nor do I really care much about Rey Mysterio. If I'm being completely yeah. honest. So uh, I'd give this a solid two. I'm just slapping a zero on it. Don't give a fuck. Uh, Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, <laughs> Cruiserweight Championship match. Listen, I think it's the wrong time for Buddy Murphy to lose. I think that they've told a nice little story here with Ced, working his way back up. He beat Tony Nese this week. But it's time to start the slow build to WrestleMania where Mustafa Ali defeats Buddy Murphy for the title on the pre-show of WrestleMania in front of 98 fans who have managed to get into the building. I think that's... While it's snowing or something. While it's snowing. I think that's where you're going here, so I don't think Sed should win. So I just want to make that clear. I think Buddy Murphy should retain. Normally with these matches, I don't care who wins because it really doesn't matter. But in this one, I think Murphy should retain. But I am looking forward to this. I watched the show every week. It was really good this week. I would put a seven, and I would have gone higher if it wasn't on the pre-show of a main roster pay-per-view. If this was just on the weekly show or something, I'd go higher, but I'm going to go seven. Okay, yeah, I'm about a six or seven on this, too, just because I know it'll be awesome. It's probably going to be the match of the night as well when we look at the the rest of this card, so I'm looking forward to that one for sure. You're not going to watch, Mr. Pre-Show Hipster. (sighs) I might have to watch it for this one because there's not going to be a whole lot else that I really like on this card. Uh, Speaking of not like, Natalia versus Ruby Riot in a tables match. Well, World the Table... Have Jim the Anvil Nightheart on it? We don't know. Probably. Um, zero. <laughs> I'm at a zero. Yeah, that's a that, that's a zero from me. I don't I don't know how anyone could possibly care about this. And Man, the Jim glasses, Yeah, yeah. It's it's cringy. It's cringy as fuck. Is it too late to get it in a New York 64? Is it too late? 
Uh, I don't know if it's in there yet. Yeah, I don't know. We 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 will cover the New New York sixty four at some of these one of these points pretty soon. Um, maybe next week will be a good time for it. Uh, triple threat tag match for the SmackDown tag team titles. It's the Bar versus the New Day versus the Usos. If that rap battle didn't get you in the building, Joe, nothing will. What do you think about this match? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. It's uh, this like, company zero. It sucks. Like Japan three way. We can't get away from these tag team three ways. So, oh. yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I. It's zero. There's some, there's some good wrestlers here, so I'll give it a two. Zero. Elias versus Bobby Lashley in a ladder match. Joe, a guitar will be suspended above the ring, and the first to retrieve it can use it. Well, I'll tell you this. Zero. Fuck this company. When I think ladder match, I think Bobby Lashley and God. Elias. I think that was on a whiteboard. That was on a I whiteboard. Guess. They said, yeah. "Who's got? We need a ladder match, guys. Uh, who do we have left on the card? Ah, I got it. Elias and Bobby Lashley. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a ladder match where they get a guitar, and then the guy who gets a guitar can use it. What's yeah, stopping the I other mean, guy from stealing the guitar and using it? I don't know. Does he get DQ'd? Well, is there any reason that the that because uh, say Bobby Lashley gets the guitar first? Is there any stipulation like Elias? What happens if he touches the guitar? It's an immediate DQ. Do we go? What is? I feel like what's probably going to happen, stay with me here, someone's going to grab the guitar and then the other person's going to get the guitar and then they're going to use it on them, Joe. Well, here's the possibility that that might happen, even though the stipulation indicates. Huge possibility. Here's a huge possibility, but you're missing something huge here. Okay. I don't think Bobby Lashley can climb a ladder. Leo Rush is retrieving that guitar. (laughs) You're right. You're right, 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 right. You're right. Leo Rush is retrieving that guitar for Bobby Lashley and uh, he's using it on, on, on Elias. So. Uh, but look, we might get a crazy Leo Rush spot, and sure. I do, and I do like the Drifter. So I'm gonna go four on this one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it a three because it's kind of perverse. I was joking about the zero. I'm, I'm kind of have a perverse yeah. interest in this one just because it's gonna kind of be a disaster too. So uh, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. The recently uh, Drew McIntyre had to uh, eat a loss to Dolph Ziggler uh, so he could get his win back this past week, but now he's back and now he's facing Finn Balor. So. The win streak restarts. The undefeated streak restarts. If anyone should be trading wins, it's the guy they want to push to the top. (laughs) Fucking idiots. This fucking company. What? (laughs) (laughs) Then he wins it the next week. Why why did he lose? And why is this one a singles match? Where's the where's the stairs? This is a perfect spot for the stairs match. Right? Damn it. This one is just a singles match. Just this one. (laughs) I don't know. How long is this show? Oh, it's we're Joe. We're only halfway through. This is a two. I don't know. Just fucking move on. Give a number. Just give a number so we can move on. Four, four. Okay. Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Asuka, triple threat tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs match for the women's championship. Asuka should come to the ring with a giant fucking sign taped to her back that says "Pin me." Um, <laughs> Asuka playing the role of Chase Owens uh, in this match. Um, look, I understand. Look, here's the thing. Lynch and Rousey is the money match, right? So to who? What, to uh, us, yes. To right, the world, work, yes. Just work okay. with me. I'll work with you. Okay, yes. Work with yes, me. Joe. Yes. So Lynch, Lynch and, and Rousey, Rousey. Is, yes. is the money match. So why? What's the problem with doing Lynch and Flair again? Like you could. Why can't? It, why is Asuka in the match? Is is my question. Why can't you just do Lynch and Flair? <sighs> He's got to protect Charlotte Flair. For the Rousey match after WrestleMania, if you want the real answer, <laughs> or okay. the Becky Lynch Charlotte Flair Ronda Rousey match. Okay, okay, fine. So if Charlotte and Ronda is the money match, okay, 
then again, why can't you just do Charlotte and Becky? And I, I don't understand. Are they protecting two money matches? Are they really thinking that forward? Is that what it is? Okay, that must be it, Maybe. right? Yeah, so pre- probably. Look, it'll probably be pretty good. No, Charlotte this Flair be good. will do a sloppy moonsault and almost and break Becky Lynch's face again. <laughs> and maybe Asuka will do something besides throw her hips around and fucking, you know, cosplay Koshinaka. So I don't know. It could be all right. I'm going to go five on this. It's Becky Lynch. I don't think I could go lower than five on Becky Lynch right now. Although I don't like that it's not just a one-on-one match. Uh, I'm going to go a five because, yeah, I have some weirdness with it, but I think it's been built pretty well, and I think it'll be pretty solid. So I'm, I'm excited to check it out, too. So uh, I cannot believe I missed this one at the beginning, but I guess it's the, the real main event for the people that have been following the mixed uh, mixed match challenge. You got Fabulous Truth, R-Truth, and Carmella versus Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. Each team member, uh, each uh, each member of the winning team, I should say, will be the 30th entry in their respective Royal Rumble match. So it's either R-Truth or Jinder in the men's side, or it's Carmella and Alicia Fox on the women's side, Joe. Uh, Clash of the Titans here. Finally, after this <laughs> massive tournament, this incredible tournament, Mixed Match Challenge, we got Fabulous Truth versus Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. You know, people have been screaming for WWE to do a G1 style tournament. Yeah. And they did this want it. Why they watched. don't? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody watched. Because, well, um, and everybody gets hurt because all their wrestlers yeah. always get hurt because right. it's a safe company. So people just get hurt all the time. Yeah. Um, everybody got hurt. Everybody had to be replaced. None of the booking made sense. They just moved teams around and ended up at the end with Fabulous Truth and Jinder Hall. Jinder Hall and Alicia Fox. They had to just eliminate a team because both members of the team needed to be protected and they didn't have to like H and Charlotte were a team. And then they had decided, oh, geez, we can't do that because then they have to lose or they have to win and we can't have them in this match. And then it's just, yeah. And then now we have Fabulous Truth and Jinder Hall and Alicia Fox. So what happens when American companies attempt to book a league <laughs> Is, is you get the mixed match challenge and bound for glory series and right and, and the team get. challenge series and the awa team and challenge. the team challenge yes so never um, ask for it again yeah keep it in Japan. never ask for it again they'll never do it right and here's the other thing i no one's talking about this and i don't know why this is the dumbest fucking shit rewarding the winners of this tournament that nobody cares about with the number 30 spots in the royal rumbles rich because i've heard some people go oh well at least this thing had some stakes Here's the problem. You've just removed all of the drama from the number 30 entrant in the Royal Rumble, which is something that people care about and get into. Oh, who's coming out in this number 30 spot? People track that shit during the match. Oh, all of the announced people have come out. This one's going to be a surprise. Or, oh, shit, it's going to be, you know. You've removed all of the drama. They fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> you fucked up the Royal Rumble 30th entrant by rewarding it to two. And these are all idiots. These are four. Yeah, nobody wants any of these people. To... Idiots. <laughs> right. No one cares about any of these people. They all stink. Just say zero, Joe, so we can move on, please. They're all scrubs. They're all bottom-level prelim wrestlers. They're no good. None of them can win the Royal Rumble. You've ruined the number 30 entrance to the Royal Rumble to give stakes to a tournament that no one cared about to begin with. Is this on the pre-show? Not yet. I don't even care. You know what? It just here's my there's my zero. Can we move on? Yeah, there we go. Uh, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, just a singles match for the WWE Championship. Just a singles match. Uh, I'm going to go eight. Yeah, this is eight or a nine for me. I mean, this is incredible. Brian's uh, heel work has won me over. It's won yeah, me over. Yeah, 
And I said, like, I, I still think Buddy Murphy and Cedric, depending on where it is on the card, could be the match of the night. But this one is obviously the heavy favorite, too. And I think just just in case of circumstances, some things might happen in the Brian Styles that make yes. it not that. But That's the problem. I, I think if if those circumstances don't exist, and this is far and away going to be the match of the night, but I, I'm still a little gun shy saying that quite yet. I, I don't, don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with you picking Murphy Alexander because the, you know you're getting a clean finish there. Right. I know what I'm getting in that. I don't know what I'm getting in Brian Styles quite yet. Right. So. Which they could do something dumb that ruins the match, correct? Uh, Ronda Rousey, Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, real question is, how hurt will Ronda Rousey be after this match, I should say? And then uh, also your interest level in this match. Because I am... They've they've really worked on it, but I'm pretty low on Rousey on this one. I uh, I'm not excited about this match whatsoever. So they are, I'm, you know what? Rich? I'm still at a two. I'm still at a two. I'm not at a zero yet, but they're they're working on it. They're working. If we cared enough, we'd talk about it. But they're starting to make Ronda Rousey ordinary. Yeah. Yep, it's starting to happen. Um, my best hope for this is Nia gets a little rough and Ronda shoots on her. Wouldn't that be? Cool? Oh yeah, like a fucking shoot. yeah, that'd be great. Um. So uh, I'll give it a one just in case it happens, but I can't ever be excited <laughs> about a Nia Jax match. Nah, I mean, stinks, just, yeah. yeah, awful. All right. I know you're excited for this one. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin in a tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs match. If Strowman wins, he will receive a universal championship match at the Royal Rumble and Corbin will be stripped of all authoritative power. If Corbin wins, though, he will become the full-time general manager of Raw. The stakes couldn't be higher, Joe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, Corbin's winning this, right? Two more men who look to be very deft in climbing ladders. So, um, I mean, look, this can have train wreck qualities to it. All shtick aside, I maybe someone gets badly hurt. That could be fun to watch. <laughs> That's what we're uh, going. So, our two favorite things that we're most excited about on this show are Nia Jax fucks up and Rousey shoots at her, and that Corbin hurts himself. <laughs> It's. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Baron Corbin's not. I mean, is he is he willing to take some Kevin Owens like giant bumps off for thirty feet off of? No, I don't ladder? think so. That's why I don't think it's gonna be very good. Like, I don't think yeah, he is because he's, he's not a good so. wrestler. How, how did this right. happen? How did this happen? Where Baron Corbin was so bad that we decided to put him in a in a backstage role. He ascended to the top of the card in a backstage role. He's essentially an hour of the show is devoted to him every single week, and now he's fucking wrestling <laughs> like semi main events, even though he sucked. That's why. He he is the GM is because he sucked. But now he's the GM and we have to see him wrestle. Because I got to put those people in matches. I mean, remember corporate Kane? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Well, all I know is, Joe, what, do you know what your house is worth right now? You don't have to answer that. Bet that on uh, Baron Corbin going through a barricade because Braun Strowman's going to smear him through the barricade and everybody going, oh, my God. And every yeah. gift going, oh, Jesus, through the barricade. I can't believe it. <laughs> So whatever your house is worth, put that in the line, but don't 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 reveal your house worth right now on the show. Um, all right, uh, and then our final thing. Oh, did you give a rating for that? I'm at a zero. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this company. I'm at a zero. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Why would even bother? We don't even shouldn't even bother. Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Intercontinental Championship match, the giant blow off that we've all been waiting for, the breakup of the Shield. Dean Ambrose, uh, Roman deserved to have cancer because the Shield put people through tables sometimes or something. I who fucking zero. Just get out of here, <laughs> Joe Landa. I'm Rich Creech. We'll see you next time. Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. <laughs> Here it comes again, lunch. 
Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc